Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bouguet, and uh, I know it's been a while since uh, I've released one of these with uh, with my with my current job. I uh, uh, cannot uh, really talk about the state of uh, the NBA and basketball in general, so uh, I've had to put a hiatus to the pod, but uh, I, I thought it would be a, a fun time to do you know a, an episode on a different topic and of course I've done with uh, with some buddies in the past some video game of the year pods so I thought you know why not do kind of a middle of the year uh, sort of video game pod and uh, I've got my good buddy who uh, who has joined me on the 2020 and 2021 game of the year episodes Matt Murray to uh, to break down Kind of an all-time video game pod. Matt, how you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm glad that uh, we have fully transitioned Duncan Dynasty over to a, a video game podcast now. <laughs> yes, exactly. I um, I even changed it on my uh, my Twitter bio from uh, Duncan Dynasty NBA pod to Duncan Dynasty Pop Culture pod. So, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> we've we've already we've already rebranded and uh, we're we're ready to roll. But uh, for for this episode, again, uh, this is going to be um, more of uh, us talking in, in kind of rapid-fire fashion about uh, some of our uh, all-time favorite games that we've we've played throughout our lives, and uh, we we decided on essentially 14 categories that we're going to uh, use to organize this this uh, episode, and uh, the categories that. Uh, are involved include platforming, RPG, narrative-based, fighting, racing, puzzle games, sports, rhythm, multiplayer co-op, simulation, shooters, arcade, action, adventure, and finally a sort of a wild card category where we can add some uh, some honorable mentions and uh, and or um, you know uh, some stuff that we don't feel really fit into any of the uh, previous categories. So essentially, what we're we're going to do is each of us has uh, pre-selected four games each for all of those categories. So we're going to go sort of one by one here. So Matt, the first category. Uh, is platforming, and I believe you, you mentioned before we started recording that one of the things you wanted to also do for this was sort of break down each of these uh, of these categories and make sure we're kind of on the same page and the audience is on the same page. So uh, when you hear the term or the genre platforming, what what's the first thing that comes to mind? So, yeah, you know, for all these categories, I think we're going to end up stretching the definition of some of them. Um, I don't think platformers is one of them. Uh, basically, a platformer is just running and jumping, right? Um, that can take a lot of different forms, but essentially, your Mario's, your Donkey Kong's, all that. This one should be pretty basic. It's a good one to start with. Yeah, so uh, would you like to uh, mention your first game? Okay. My first game, which I'm sure is also going to be on your list, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Yeah, um, and that's, that's also on the t- very top of my platforming list as well. Yeah, I mean, it's the best platformer ever made, I think. Um, 
at least a, a pure platformer. Uh, what can I say? It has super good, uh, you know, momentum-based movement, um, the best set-piece design in all of the genre, the best soundtrack in all of the genre. Uh, David Weiss came back from the Super Nintendo Donkey Kong Country trilogy uh, to do this. Um, yeah, uh, it improved on the original, or not the original, but Donkey Kong Country Returns on Wii in every single way. It's it's a masterpiece. Anyone that owns a Wii U or a Switch, you you should own this game. Absolutely. I, I don't have much else to say other than uh, um, the couple levels, Windmill Hills and Grassland mm-hmm. Groove. Like, not only the, the music for those levels, but the actual level design themselves are just, just fantastic. But, yeah, all the way through a, a beautiful and, and, and gorgeous and fun experience. So I'll mention the next one I've got on my list uh, for for platforming, and that is a game I know you've played as well, Matt, Celeste. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And this game uh, has a has a really um, a, a really beautiful story that you know, and and talks about themes that that aren't often discussed in media, like um, you know, anxiety and fear of failure. Uh, but, you know, also beyond just the, the beautiful story that's being told in this game, the, the platforming itself is like, like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, really satisfying. It, it builds, uh, it builds up with like really fun wall jumping, double jumping mechanics. And similar to a lot of other games and another game I'm going to mention here in this category in a bit, uh, you know, you obviously uh, fail and, and die quite a bit in this game, but it's a very quick respawn, which makes it so that, you know, you're not really ever frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that subgenre of platformers, I don't like this term. People call them uh, splatformers because of how often you're dying. Um, you know, unlike something like Meat Boy, which I'm assuming is going to be coming up on your list soon, um, I like that Celeste, it's not, you dying so much isn't the butt of a joke, where in Meat Boy, it's like, hey, look, you died so much, ha ha ha, isn't that funny? Uh, In Celeste, it's meant to, like, to be a, like, look how far you've come kind of thing. Uh, But yeah, Celeste, absolute masterpiece, one of the best platformers ever made. All right, what do you got next? Uh, Next, I have Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. Um, I went back and forth on this one for a while uh, because I really like uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, uh, which was a spiritual successor on the Wii U. Uh, In the end, I went with Yoshi's Island just because uh, I think the boss fights set it over the top. One of the best boss fights in the genre, I think. Um, You get swallowed by a frog and have to throw eggs at its uvula. That's really sick. Um, It's just, it's a great game. There's really nothing else like the Yoshi games. Not all the Yoshi games are good. In fact, many of them are bad. But uh, Yoshi's Island and Woolly World are just amazing. The egg-throwing puzzles, um, the physics on the egg-throwing stuff. um, Yoshi's Island has like a kind of crayon or colored pencil aesthetic going on. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, really nothing else that can be said about it. It's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you already uh, you already brought up uh, the next game on, on my list, which is Super Meat Boy. And uh, again, yeah, similar to Celeste as, 
as you called it, uh, it's a splatformer. Um, yeah, we but, don't uh, need to call it that. It's fine. It's bad. <laughs> it's a bad word. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, the thing, I, I think, like, just the, the, the pacing of this game, how fast you can move, I think, sets this apart from a lot of other platformers I've ever played. And the difficulty ramps up pretty quickly. It's a very challenging but very fun game. And, uh, again, really, really a fun soundtrack. And, yeah, it doesn't have, like, the, you know, very sincere storyline of a Celeste. But, you know, it, it uh, as you stated, it, it sort of pokes fun at how you, you get a replay of all the different ways that you, you died when you, when you finally complete a level, which is, which is fun in its own right. And then there's also, like, levels that sort of test your patience. You know, you're, you're consistently moving so fast a lot of the game, and then other times you have to, like, very slowly uh, maneuver your way around a bunch of killer saws. <laughs> it's uh, it's, uh-huh, it's a uh-huh. really, really fun game. Yeah, and I, I'll also throw in there, uh, for one, the sound design is amazing, like the sound effects like, I mean, yeah, you're just a chunk, a sentient chunk of meat, so you have all your foot, footsteps are really, like, squelchy and squishy. Uh, yes. I really like that. Uh, the other thing I really appreciate about Meat Boy, uh, all the secrets. Like, there's all these black holes that take you to secret sets of levels. It's When that game came out, it was, like, a big, um, like, cultural thing of people sharing, like, oh, did you find the, the portal in, you know, the third level or whatever? Um so many cool secrets in that game. I do think it's been outclassed, but it's also been over a decade since it came out. Uh, for the time period it came out, it's yeah, it was unmatched. Yeah, and and I feel like with with some of my picks as well, like yeah, I I, I haven't gone back and played Meat Boy in in quite a few years, so some of these picks might be more nostalgia based, just because that's how our brains operate, right? Sure. Um. All right. What what do you have next in this category? Um, I have Kirby Planet Robobot, which, uh, if you know me, or if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm a Kirby dude. That's my favorite video game series. It's probably just my favorite multimedia thing in general. Um, I go back and forth between if I think Kirby Planet Robobot or the new one, Forgotten Land, is the best one in the series. Oh, and a thing we forgot to mention, real quick. Uh, with one exception, I don't have any games from this year on my list. I just partially saving it for the next Game of the Year podcast anyway, but just wanted to throw that out there. That's why I have Robobot on here definitively and not Kirby Forgotten Land. Um, but anyway, Robobot is definitely the best uh, side-scrolling Kirby game. Uh, really good set of powers. It has this, like, cyberpunk aesthetic, but it's still cute and Kirby. So, like, you get Waddle Dees that have, like, cyborg heads. Um, amazing soundtrack. It, Kirby games usually culminate in big set-piece moments, and this has the best set-piece moment in the whole series. Um, I won't go too much into it here. Uh, I will give a shout-out real quick. Um if you want to know more about Kirby stuff, I was on a Kirby podcast a few months ago uh, on the All End and Nintendo podcast. I think it was episode 99, where we spent like an hour just talking about just Kirby. It was really fun. Yeah, I, I listened to that. That was a really that was a really good listen, even though yeah, I'm not nearly as, as knowledgeable on on the Kirby extended universe as uh, as you two were or, or are. Um, 
but uh yeah that's uh that's that's a good one my um my final one in this category yet it kind of doesn't really fit into the run and jump uh <laughs> archetype that you were talking about for platformers my oh. final pick is uh, is trials evolution i'd say that counts as a platformer for sure yeah, so for for people unfamiliar with the the Trials series, it's basically uh, you know a two D platformer where you are a guy on a uh, on a on a motorcycle essentially, and uh, you are dealing with a very difficult hilly terrain. And so one of the really satisfying elements of the gameplay and, and mastering the mechanics of the game is like the elements of okay, sometimes you need to um, put more weight on your back tire or your front tire. Sometimes you need to lean the rider forward or backwards to to um, get over a, a gap in the in the uh, terrain. So um, just a really satisfying game and something that you know uh, I've, I've obviously enjoyed the vast majority of the of the different trials games that have that have come out throughout the years. But that uh, that first experience I think was uh, was one I won't soon forget. Yeah, uh, that's definitely my favorite Trials game. I've not spent anywhere near as much time with the the ones I've played since. They're all good, but yeah, that one was really something special. I, I haven't really... The closest I've had to, to Trials uh, since then is Neon White, which that's one that would be on this list if it had come out last year or something. We'll talk about it in the Game of the Year podcast later. All right, so do you you have one more? Is that right? Yes. Uh, the last one I had in this category was uh, Spelunky 2, which we talked about that for the Game of the Year podcast back in 2020. Um, so I won't spend too much time on it here. Uh, it's just a fantastic game, fantastic decision-making simulator under high stress, basically. Um, but, yeah, you can go listen to the, that Game of the Year podcast. All right, and yeah, we'll probably uh, we'll probably say that for uh, some some other games as well on on this list. Um, so let's get to then the uh, the next category, which is RPG. Would you uh, would you care to uh, explain to the folks what you, what you think of when you hear RPG? So I think when you really break RPG down, so RPG stands for a role playing game. I think what defines a role-playing game to me is that you make decisions that change how your character uh, is built or interacts with the world. So a lot of people are going to think of like Final Fantasy or Pokemon, maybe, and and associate turn-based combat with that, which, yes, but it doesn't have to be turn-based combat. I think anything where there's like stats, anything where you are able to put points into stats as you please. I think that's an RPG basically. Yeah. So, um, my, my first one I have on my list is, uh, is a game that we talked about in the 2021 game of the year pod. So uh, if you want to hear my, uh, extended thoughts on, on this game, you can, you can go back and listen to that. But, uh, Disco Elysium is what I have as, as my first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still need to play it myself. Uh, uh, not trying to blow smoke at you, but the way you talked about it in that game, your podcast made me way more interested in playing it than anything prior. I had heard about it. Well, yeah, it's, uh-huh. um, 
it's it's a very very unique experience and and yeah it's uh it's something that right it's it's it, it has a particular mood and it certainly is a is a long game so uh, i i understand um you and, and others hesitation to to dive headfirst into it but i i do think it is it is worth it uh yeah for my first game i've got uh paper mario the original a nintendo 64 um I don't have much to say about it. It's probably my favorite Nintendo game ever made. Um, it just has such a cool style. Uh, I love, there's a lot of them, but I love when they do uh, Mario RPG spinoffs. I just think it's such a neat take. Um, they do a good job of combining uh, platforming with RPG mechanics. So, like, it's a turn-based battle, but if you're jumping on an enemy, you have to press A at the right time to bounce off of that enemy and do more damage and that kind of stuff. Um, I think the combat is, in it, well, the combat and the, the character building system is relatively simple, especially compared to what we have nowadays. But it still can get pretty deep. Um, you can do some really neat stuff with it. And when you couple that with, like, the, the kind of pop-up book aesthetic it has going and, and the really good soundtrack... It's still a great game. I just replayed it last year on the Nintendo 64 app on my Switch. It's a really, really, really good game, and it's better than Thousand Year Door, and I don't want to hear anything otherwise. <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've never played any of the, the Paper Mario games, but I think one of the, one of the games I have on my list, uh, I believe in the past you brought up that some of the gameplay mechanics are similar, but that, uh, the, the next one I have here is uh, the South Park, The Stick of Truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously, most people listening are, are familiar with with South Park, the, the the TV series. So in this game, you get to sort of inhabit, you create your own character and inhabit the world of South Park, and it's really fun just to wander around the town and even go inside the the different houses. And there are uh, you know collectibles that you can find as well. The dialogue is is really funny. Um, and then, yeah, you've got these, uh, these sort of, right, like, I, I think of it as, yeah, Paper Mario or almost, like, yeah, kind of like those Pokemon sort of fighting exchanges where the, the turn-based combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a while since I played Stick of Truth, but yeah, anyone looking for a Paper Mario-like, because there's really not that many games that play like Paper Mario, uh, this is definitely one of the better ones, which is a weird thing to say about a licensed South Park game. Um but yeah, the combat is genuinely good. The character building is fun. The classes are good. It's a genuinely good game. And yeah, I remember laughing at it, which I don't say often about games. So, uh, next on mine is Dragon Quest Eleven, which, uh, we won't get super into Dragon Quest stuff. Um, I'm a relative newcomer to the series in that I haven't played all the really old ones. Um, when I first played Dragon Quest Eleven on my PlayStation 4, I thought it was really good, but it, did, it didn't seem anything that special to me. Uh, when I replayed it on my Switch a couple of years later, I, I think that's like a top ten game of all time. The story is amazing. The characters are like genuinely lovable. Um, I got teary-eyed multiple times, and that doesn't really happen to me very often, especially with like very anime-inspired um, games. Uh Dragon Quest is also, uh, the art of it is done by Akira Toriyama, the artist and creator of Dragon Ball. So, I don't know, there's something about his art that immediately is nostalgic to me. Um, 
just an amazing game. Uh, I think it's one of the few games I could recommend to like literally anyone. Like, I think it's actually a really great starter RPG. If you've never played an RPG or only have played like Pokemon or something and are looking to get into the genre, yeah, I would recommend Dragon Quest XI over just about anything else. It's truly a remarkable special game. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that because yeah, the only um, the only Dragon Quest game that I've uh, delved into even a little bit is the the demo for the Dragon Quest Builders. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, even that that was that was a lot of fun as well. Um, the the next game I have on my list is uh, Marvel's Spider Man on the, the the PlayStation in from 2018, and I know you you played this mm-hmm. one as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, pretty great story in this game. Um, there's uh, like again speaking to some of the RPG elements. I thought there was a lot of really cool, satisfying uh, suit and ability upgrades uh, thrown in throughout. Uh, and then it's also you know just a I think a, a great use of um, combining having like giving the player open world freedom like just you know swinging around the city is a lot of fun but then also you've got side quests to accomplish and then yeah as i said the the main plot and the story is is really intriguing as well yeah as a lifelong spider-man nerd uh i think it still might be my favorite like interpretation of that character in world obviously into the spider-verse is amazing but yeah in terms of a peter parker focused Spider-Man story, I genuinely think this is, like, the best one in any medium. That's saying quite a lot. Um, for my next game, I have uh, the original Dark Souls. Um, again, there's so much to talk about. That trying to do this in just a few seconds feels unfair, but, yeah, it's Dark Souls. Everyone's heard of it. Uh, it's as good as everyone says, if not better. Um I also, you know, the the series has a reputation as being brutally hard, and I think the developers kind of leaned into that after Dark Souls 1, but Dark Souls 1 is just a super good, um, like, post-apocalyptic medieval RPG. Um, you can do so many cool creative things with your builds in terms of uh, making like a, obviously you can just play like a, a standard knight or whatever. You can play a bandit. That's all cool or whatever. But the magic is so neat in that game. Even now, like 12 years removed, uh, I think only really surpassed by this year's Elden Ring. Um, it's so special. One of the coolest worlds in any game I've ever explored. I've only played through the whole game once and I still think about like moments of like, the first time I made it down to Blight Town, and the first time I fought uh, Seif, it it's incredible. It lives up to the hype. If you never played Dark Souls and you want to get into the series, just play Dark Souls. Just do it. It's available on like everything. It's fantastic. All right, my my last game is is a game I don't think I really need to elaborate much on because uh, a bunch of people have played it and it's really well known. But it's The Last of Us. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've played both The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2. I think I prefer, I prefer the first game, even though the second game did a lot of, of really cool things and expanded in, in a lot of neat ways. But, uh, again, I think that the story specifically from the first game is just so compelling. 
Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see that, you know, they're making an HBO show adaptation of it. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes because, yeah, the story is definitely the, well, I, it's the story and the presentation, especially compared to other video games that really set it above uh, the standard fare that you get in games. Um, I, you know, if you all know me, I might talk a lot of stuff about Last of Us being super overrated, and it is. However, it's still a really, really great video game and an above-average story and presentation. It's definitely worth checking out if you've never checked out Last of Us. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the the series as well. And apparently, they uh, the one of the writers for for the show actually wrote uh, Chernobyl, which is one of my favorite TV oh. shows of, uh, okay. of recent years. So. Um, yeah, let's see. Do you have one more here in the in the RPG section? Yeah, I have Hollow Knight, which this is kind of stretching the RPG definition a little bit for me, but it's still build-oriented. Um, Hollow Knight, one of the best Metroidvania. I would argue it is maybe the best Metroidvania. Um, it's just, I don't know, it, it's the first game in its category that, like, made me feel feel the way I did when I was a kid playing Super Metroid for the first time of, oh, I'm, I feel completely lost, I'm completely alone, I'm down in these, this weird bug-infested cave, I have no idea where the hell I am, all I've got is my sword and my wits and a, a dash. Um, it's a really, really, really great game. I know I keep saying that about all these games, but this is our favorite games of all time, basically. Um Hollow Knight is truly, truly something special, and it only costs like 15 bucks. That game took me like 80 hours, and I didn't see nearly everything, so it's also one of the best values in gaming. Absolutely. So um, let's let's move on now to uh, to narrative based. And uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, I already I'm already like fretting one of my one of my selections for this to actually fit in this category. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on just, uh, when, when you think of the genre that's, you know, based on narrative, what would you, what would you say that is in, in video games? Yeah, it, it's less of a genre and just, it, it's kind of just like, for me, it's a, it's a necessary classification. Uh, like all my four games that we're about to get into are completely different, like mechanical genres, but they are all very story focused. So that's what I would say. Any game where the story is like the main driving force and like you, usually they're very linear. That doesn't have to be the case, but yeah, usually they are linear games that really, really have an emphasis on their storytelling. Yeah. So I think at least two of my four <laughs> did that description. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I'll, uh, I'll start with, uh, um, with maybe a couple that, uh, don't, uh, but, uh, okay. and, and, and part of this is like, you know, we are, uh, with, with these, uh, with 14 categories and, um, four for each, that's 56 games. And there was an element of like certain categories. It was like, oh, I had an overload, right? It was like, I uh -huh. think of like eight to 10 that I would like to include. And then other categories where it's like, oh, I'm kind of struggling to get to four. So in, in a way, this is kind of cheating to, to get to, all the games that I wanted to get in here, but um, I'll just mention a couple right off the bat that I think are kind of borderline. Uh, Solar Ash, and, which you know I talked uh, a bunch about in the uh, 
in the 2021 Game of the Year pod. So if you want to hear about that game, you can you can just reference that. And then uh, also I've got uh, the game Journey on here. I would say at, at the very least, Journey is definitely a narrative focused game. It just doesn't. The narrative is very uh, very light. It's just very. It's more about. Uh, the journey, I guess. But yeah, I would say that is a, for sure, a narrative oriented game. Yeah. And, and journey, um, absolutely, a absolutely gorgeous looking game. And yeah, it gives you the goal right at the beginning. Essentially you are, um, uh, it's, it's a third person sort of open world. Well, not even really open world because, you're, you're kind of guided in the direction you're supposed to go the entire time, but mm-hmm. you see this, you see this mountain in way in the distance and you're essentially on your journey to get to that point or get to that location and you experience a, a bunch of stuff along the way. Um, but, uh, yeah, one of the, you know, it's a, it's a very short game, but one of the more memorable gaming experiences I, I've ever had. It, you know, there just are some some moments that are just utterly captivating and and mesmerizing. It, you know, for I, I think like people can get it probably for for twenty bucks or less at this point, and it's mm-hmm. um it's something you can play in one night. And I I, I think for the most part, if you've got a little patience, uh, I think most people would enjoy it. Yeah, I won't go too far into my journey thoughts just because they're kind of heavy spoiler focused, but. Uh, there is a very unique thing that that game does that I don't know. It's not really a secret, but I don't think everyone knows about it. Um, it really emotionally affected me with how my game happened. Also, because of this very unique mechanic that I'm dancing around, everyone's journey with Journey is going to be different. Even your, if you replay Journey, it's going to be different each time, despite how like linear and short it is. And yeah, my first time through, I I had a very emotional thing happen. It's very silly in hindsight. We don't need to get into it. But yeah, that game is something special. Um, I guess I'll get my sort of cheating one out of the way first, uh, which is Chicory, A Colorful Tale. This is less me not being able to come up with four narrative-oriented games and more so I couldn't fit Chicory in anywhere else. And the narrative is very important, so I stuck it here. But yeah, we talked about it on the 2021 Game of the Year podcast, so won't get into it here. Um, for my next one, I'll just get this out of the way too. Uh, it's There Is No Game Wrong Dimension. Uh, I'll get it out of the way because I really can't say like literally anything about it. It's one of the most neat games I've ever played in my life. Uh, I really wanted to talk about it on the, uh, the Game of the Year podcast last year, but there was no way I could. Uh, I would just say, buy this game not knowing anything. If you like narrative-oriented things and puzzles, uh, it's one of the neatest one of those I've ever played, period. The uh, Again, these these last two, I think, definitely fit into the category that I have. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first one, uh, which I also talked about a little bit on that, uh, on that Game of the Year pod we did, um, Firewatch, which is mm-hmm. a game about a, a guy who... Uh, takes a takes a summer job um, and uh, essentially is uh, is is a fire watcher, uh, someone that's just making sure that there's not any sort of um, uh, massive fires out in the uh, uh, what is it Yellowstone area? 
I know it's been a few years. I think that's right. But yeah, so, uh, some kind of uh, yeah, national park area. Right. And you're you're communicating with someone else that's also a fire watcher in a different tower. And the dialogue between them is really is really great. Um, uh, and you get to explore the park as well. It's it's a really, really great game. And then my, my final one, I have uh, What Remains of Edith Finch, which was something that, uh, that I played pretty recently, and that was a, a very memorable experience. Basically, you're, um, I think you're like a, a, a teenage young woman, and she comes back to the home that she grew up in many years prior. Um, the house is abandoned now, I believe, but as you sort of walk through the different rooms in the house, which were rooms that uh, your siblings lived in, your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, uh, when you walk into those rooms, you sort of get to experience a, an important life moment or even, in some cases, the final moments of the different members of her family. And it was just a really unique experience. Yeah, I've played both of those, and yeah, I've only played through them each once, and it was years ago for each of them, and yeah, I still like have very vivid memories of both of them, particularly Firewatch. Um, Edith Finch is way more like set piece oriented, where like each uh, memory that you're reliving is like completely different, and it's super cool, and I can't imagine how hard it must have been to make some of those. Um, but yeah, Firewatch. I, I still think about that game regularly. It it's something else. I don't think I've ever played another game that has that exact like tone to it. It's super cool. Um, for my last two, I have two uh, Nintendo DS games. Um, I think the the DS is very overlooked, being like a handheld, weird little dual screen thing uh, in regards to games like this. Uh, the first one I have is Ghost Trick, which uh, it would take a long time to explain, but basically uh, you wake up as a spirit, you're already dead, and you have no memory, you don't know who you are or why you're dead, um, and it's kind of like a, a puzzle-solving game where you're in these environments, and like usually it's like bad things are happening to people in those environments, and you as a spirit have to figure out how to stop them. It's like you can move as your ghost form into different objects and affect them in different ways. So it's kind of like a, uh, almost like a Rube Goldberg machine kind of thing of trying to figure out like, okay, if I go to this lamp and turn this lamp on, does that scare the dude? But if it scares the person, they might accidentally fire their gun and kill the person that I'm trying to save. Um, Super unique gameplay, super cool look to it. It's I don't know how to describe it, but it's very... The characters don't have, like, outlines, and they're all, like, rotoscoped. Very, very cool. Uh, I think it's also available on, on, like, phones and tablets and stuff nowadays. One of the coolest games of all time. Uh, the other one is Hotel Dusk Room 215, which is... A uh, pretty grounded, like, detective noir thing set in, like, the 1970s, I think. Uh, I think you're playing as a de detective named Kyle Hyde. Um, yeah, it's just a detective story set in, like, a hotel in the 70s. And all the characters you're meeting and all the, the 
different rooms that you're going to and figuring out. There's a bunch of puzzles. At one point, you're you're doing bowling in a hallway for some reason, and it's touchscreen controlled. It's really sick. Uh, the soundtrack, oh, I still listen to it. It's so moody. Uh, the character portraits are like drawn in black and white. Oh, it's so good. I wish it was on other stuff so people could play it without tracking down a DS, but it's something special. Yeah, and and I'm not gonna lie, like to to those listening, Matt has been, uh, you know, so good for me in terms of like building up my my video game knowledge and giving me great recommendations through the years. And yeah, I'm sure even this episode, I'm going to come away with another five to 10 that I'm like, Oh yeah, I got it. I got to try that. (laughs) But uh, let's, let's move on now to the, uh, the next category, which is fighting. And Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this is probably pretty, pretty um, self-explanatory, but uh, Matt, you want to, you want to talk about uh, what the fighting genre means to you? So to me, the fighting genre, it's, it's, it's not quite like just Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think as long as there's some kind of like, uh, like 1v1 kind of conflict going on, I think you can make the case that it's a fighting game, something like Windjammers, which is like a frisbee throwing game. I think you could make the argument that Pong is kind of a fighting game, I guess technically the first fighting game. Um, but for the sake of this discussion, it's probably going to mostly be uh, 1v1, doing karate moves kind of thing, or, you know, four players or eight players or whatever. But yeah, just like a conflict-oriented game where people are like, kicking each other, basically. Yeah, so um, I would be surprised if this wasn't on your list, or at least this series wasn't on your list in some respect. But the first one I have on here is... Uh, um, and if if we were doing these uh, categories and having like tiers within the category, this would be tier one of my fighting games <laughs> category. Sure. That uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you have uh, one of the Smash Bros. on your list? I do, I do have Ultimate on my list. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've been a fan of the series since 1999. I could barely hold an N64 controller, and I loved playing as Pikachu in that original game. Um, yeah, I like I said, I could make the case for the whole series. If I had to pick one, it would be Ultimate. Just all the content in it. There's Castlevania stuff in it, so you know it's for me. Um, some people are gonna always, you know, be on the melee train, and that's fine. I agree that melee is the most technically uh, demanding game in the series, and I get it. But as someone that's never going to be a professional player of any game ever, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is the ultimate package for Smash Bros. Super cool set of, like, what, 80, 90-something characters? No, you you can't do better than Ultimate. I, I don't, no, 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 no. It's Ultimate all the way. Yep, completely agree. Um, I've got a couple here that are, are kind of some old-school references, and mm-hmm. uh, I have no doubt that these are... Um, you know, based, pick that I picked these based on nostalgia, that, and that probably objectively these are not even anywhere near the uh, the best fighting games of all time. Uh-huh. But uh, what, the, basically, the first fighting game I regularly played, uh, my brother and I had this on the PC in the '90s, was Primal Rage. Yeah, I know Primal Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
basically, I think there was just seven characters. They're all sort of like dinosaur-esque characters. And again, it's been, you know, probably 25 years since I've played this game. But, uh, uh-huh. uh, you know, I still have, I still have fond memories of, of, of doing so. And then, um, another, another one that's, uh, kind of an old school shout out, and that's, uh, Bloody Roar. Uh huh. Yep. Um, this sort of like the gameplay I would describe almost as like a combination of sort of Tekken because there's a lot of like combo stuff, but then there's occasionally more advanced, um, advanced move sets that would, would, uh, that I would describe similar to like a Street Fighter, but, um, essentially you start as a, a human character, but then you have the ability to like power up into an animal and, uh, you know, like for example, my my go-to character was a was a guy named Gatto, and he turned into a, a you know a, a ferocious lion. The, my brother's favorite character was Greg, and he turns into a gorilla. There was an Alice character that turns into a rabbit. But um, yeah, I remember this also being one of my earlier sort of fighting game experiences, and, and really enjoying it. Yeah, uh, with Primal Rage. Uh... I don't know. I think I played it once. I remember you could like eat people because like you're monsters, like they're, you know, giant gorillas or giant dinosaurs. You could like, I don't know. You had like villagers that were like cheering for you and you could eat them or something. That's the main thing I remember about it. Um, and they, I've never played, uh, a bloody roar. I've never played any of them, but yeah, they were quite popular back in the nineties for sure. Um, Okay, I, for, the next one I have is Soul uh, Soul Caliber 2, which it's really the only, the only Soul Caliber I've ever played. Um, I, I wish I was more into fighting games. Like, I love the idea of fighting games, and I watch, you know, tournaments, even for games I've never played. It's super fun watching. But if you don't have someone, like, to regularly play these games with, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work, Right. But yeah, Soul, Soul Calibur 2 was the only one besides Smash Bros. that I ever had, like, my group of friends back in 8th grade. Like, we would get together every weekend and play Soul Calibur 2. Uh, it's cool because it's one of the few, like, 3D fighting games. You know, even Tekken, uh, it is 3D, but it, you don't have as much freedom of movement in Tekken as you do in Soul Calibur. Uh, I also like that Soul Calibur is... Uh, weapon focus, like each character is a different weapon type. There was also cool stuff uh, in Soul Calibur 2 where there was a story mode and you could unlock different shops and like each character had like, I don't know, like a dozen different versions of their weapons and the, the different properties. There's like joke weapons. Uh, really cool cast of characters. Soul Calibur 2 is great and I don't know why I've never checked out any of the, any of the other ones because they're really Really cool. Uh, and then I have Dragon Ball Fighters on here. Fighter Z Fighters. Uh, okay, which, yeah. yeah um, I, again, I really wish I had played it more. And I know you and I played it a tiny bit. And it just, I don't know, just circumstances of life. We just never got around to playing a whole lot more. But definitely, like, the best-looking fighting game of all time to me. I, I think Street Fighter Three is the only competitor really for me um but yeah it's just super fast paced uh, dragon ball z uh, nonsense it's super cool uh tien shinhan has volleyball moves i don't remember him doing that in the show but it looks super cool 
uh, in the game. Just super neat. Um, I'm still, like, if they make a sequel to that, I'm there day one. Not even a question. Um, I guess I'll do my last one real quick. Uh, it's Tatsunoko versus Capcom. So, it's like Marvel versus Capcom, but instead of Marvel stuff, it's Tatsunoko, which is a Japanese, like, uh, manga and anime uh, studio or brand. So, uh... I didn't know who almost any of the characters were in this game that weren't Capcom ones, but man, I I just have such good memories of uh, taking it over to our friend uh, Jim's uh, when he lived in Bowling Green. Uh, I don't know, it was some weeknight we were playing Tatsunoko versus Capcom at like three in the morning, and people were we were screaming, just literally screaming, and people outside were yelling at us because we had the windows open and. People were yelling about 8 million damage, and uh, it's fantastic. I think it's better than Marvel vs. Capcom. I get it. I get why, to an American audience, they would be much more interested in Spider-Man fighting Ryu as opposed to people dressed as birds fighting Mega Man Volnut. But uh, Tatsunoko vs. Capcom is really cool, and once again, it sucks that it's stuck on the Wii, and we're probably never going to see it again. Yeah, I, I figured you were going to do one of the verse Capcom games, and I, I was anticipating Marvel vs. Capcom 3, because I know we, we played that quite a bit together. Um, but, uh, yeah, the uh, um, Dragon Ball Fighters, I uh, I completely agree. That was, from, from what little I did get to play, it was fantastic. But, yeah, as you said, fighting games so, uh, are so reliant on actually getting another human to play with. Right. And, uh, so I, I didn't play that as much as I uh, would have wanted. But, but yeah, just in terms of a, of a fighting game that was able to emulate the show and the chaos of the fight scenes in the show, I think it, it does a phenomenal job. My final game, and, and I guess this is more a series, and I, I have a... I have a, a pick for a specific um, entry in the series, but Mortal Kombat is the series, and, um, and I was I was actually looking through before we recorded this. I was looking through some of my uh, Xbox 360 achievements, and uh, just to kind of get an idea of some games that I played on that console. And it, it seemed that uh, the Mortal Kombat actually versus DCU was the Mortal Kombat <laughs> game I played the most of, even though I'm I'm not sure if uh, if that's anywhere near the top of most people's list for Mortal Kombat entries. I think it's near the bottom, honestly. But <laughs> <laughs> um, growing up in the '90s, yeah, like you couldn't escape Mortal Kombat. There is something super cool and cheesy about them. Um, I really did like the it's just called Mortal Kombat on the 360 and PS3. Um, that was like kind of the start of of modern Mortal Kombat. Um, I think we played the whole story mode together, and I remember yes. trading the controller back and forth on like the final. I don't remember if the final fight was Shang Tsung or something, but I remember that being really really hard and some BS. Um, but yeah, no, Mortal Kombat's great. I love the super cheesy kung fu vibe it's going for. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so that's uh, we've concluded the the fighting category. Next up, and this one was 
This is probably the toughest one for me, or one of the toughest ones for me to come up with four, actually. But, Dude, uh, I agree, and it shouldn't be, but it was. <laughs> so the category we're referring to is racing, and uh, all uh, you know, one of these I, I I definitely feel is cheating. Um, okay. I'll, I'll get I'll get this one out of the way, and that's twisted metal. Uh-huh. Um, in part because it's not really a racing game. It's more vehicular combat. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but I figured, you know, because you're driving around in a car and, and obviously, like, um, going fast and eluding people and stuff it matters, like, I figured I could I could slide that one in there. But it's you another game that it's another game that I have a lot of nostalgia for, um, you know, me and my brother would play this a ton and like, there's still like images of like that one vehicle with, I think it's like a van with a clown head on top of it. Like there's still a lot of stuff I remember about that game. Yeah. That's a sweet tooth with a an evil clown ice cream truck. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I only, I played a lot of twisted metal two as a kid. I remember you could blow up the Eiffel tower and like blow up, you could blow up the statue of Liberty and then like, she like when you hit it with a couple of missiles, she'd be in a bikini all of a sudden, and then you hit her again, and then she like gained weight. I don't I don't know what that joke is, but uh, <laughs> they are making a show. I don't I don't know if it's on like Paramount Plus or something. They they're making a Twisted Mill show. I I don't know how that's gonna work out. Um. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's a relic, probably best left in the '90s. But I guess we're gonna see it dragged into the modern age. Um, <laughs> I will also say, you know, hey, it's a race to kill each other, so I think it counts as a racing game. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. I, I had no idea about the show. I um, I, I I don't think I plan on watching, to be honest. <laughs> Uh, you know, out of morbid curiosity, I'll watch like an episode. <laughs> I've watched dumber things, I guess. Um, so for the first one I have listed, um, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I debated back and forth between Mario Kart 8 Deluxe or Mario Kart 7. I think overall I like the um, the track selection and the uh, the physics of Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS a tiny bit more, but there's so much stuff in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and we're getting new courses for the next, like, year and a half. Um, it It's basically the perfect kart racer at this point. The most content, a lot of cool characters. You can play a shy guy in it, so I'm all in. Yeah, I, I also have Mario Kart 8 on my list, and it's it's similar. I, I almost feel like that's a sim- what the argument you just made is a similar argument to like picking Ultimate over something like Melee. Well, yeah, maybe objectively some other previous entries are better, but like just the the sheer amount of of tracks and things just makes mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8 so special. The uh, the next one I have on my list, and this was a game that I'm mostly, and we do have an arcade category coming up later, but. Um, you know, this one fits into both the arcade and racing categories, but I mostly played it as uh, at the arcade, and that is that Star Wars pod racing game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was about this game. I mean, I just I, I thought it was really fun, really uh, one of those games that, um, you know, when I think about going to the arcade and playing, this is probably one of the five to ten games I think of. 
mm-hmm. but uh, you know, just the the differences in the the different types of pod racers you could use. Um, you know, some are a little bit wider, some are skinnier, some are faster, some are you know better at handling. But um, the the courses also were were really neat and. You know, there's obviously been a ton of different uh, Star Wars-related video games, but this might be the one that I've played the most, surprisingly. So, I actually don't find it that surprising. I think this is a really well-loved game. I've I played a tiny bit of the N64 version at a friend's house as a kid, but um, it was beloved enough that I, I think you can buy it, like, on modern consoles, like PS4 and Switch. Like, it... It was pretty popular back then, and I think it is genuinely well-loved. So that doesn't actually surprise me too much. Um, uh, For my next game, I have uh, F-Zero GX, which was the GameCube F-Zero game. If you don't know what F-Zero is, it's the game uh, where uh, Captain Falcon from Smash Bros. comes from. Um, I still think this is, like, the coolest-looking racing game I've ever played. It's so fast... The courses, there's just corkscrews and anti-gravity and all this nonsense. Um, really weirdly good soundtrack. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of, like, kind of metalish or just cheesy rock while you're actually racing. But each, there's, like, 30 characters in this game, each with a different car and stats. And each one has their own, like, theme song. Um, I challenge anyone listening to this to go look up on YouTube, the Jody Summers F Zero GX theme, and don't tell me that you're not gonna like get emotional for Summer as a ten year old listening to that song. Um, yeah, not much to say. It's I think the coolest racing game ever made, basically, and it's really weird. We haven't had a new one since. Yeah, and the only real reason I know anything about that <laughs> that series at all is just I think one of the, the there's at least one track in in Mario Kart 8 from the F F Zero um, universe, right? Yeah, Mute City and Big Blue are both. Yeah, their song and I F-Zero. like I like both of those tracks. Yeah, they're two of the best tracks in the game. I agree. Um. So my final my final racing game I have, and uh, I know you and our uh, our buddy Andrew Wilkins uh, both uh, prefer a different entry in this particular series. You guys like the uh, Burnout Paradise, but my my favorite was the Burnout Revenge, which I believe was the was the uh, um, the game right before Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, like, you know, you've got your basic racing modes in the, in burnout. Um, but what I think makes this different than the, the typical racing game is just sort of how violent it is where like Uh you, you, some of the, some of the, some of the goal is to just like wreck into other cars. And, um, you know, there's even a mode in the game just called a crash mode where you like, jump off a ramp over a highway and try to just wreak as much havoc as humanly possible. Um, but I, I just remember playing, uh, I played this, uh, this game a bunch in, uh, in college, my freshman year with, uh, with my buddy, Matt Burgess. And it was one of the games that we always, uh, we, we always played together and yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't have much experience with the series. I do like what I played a paradise, but yeah, I never, I bought the remaster a couple of years ago on PS4. Wilkins and I played a bunch, and then I had honestly never touched it since, but it was really cool. 
Um, and yeah, I, See, I do that, know that uh, the paradise is more of like an open world concept. Right. And I do think if I remember correctly, there are like, you know, there are races and then there's also like these different challenges, including like, yeah, causing like mayhem and like crashing through stuff. So I, I think they, they did include some of that. It just obviously wasn't uh, the focus of that one. Um, so for my next one, I've got Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed, which is the longest title by far. Um, <laughs> not a lot to say about this. It's a really good kart racing game. Um, you know, I don't have as much love for Sonic and Sega stuff as I do Mario Kart, whatever. But uh, in terms of pure gameplay, I think it's better than most of the Mario Karts. Um it was a launch title for the Wii U, and as anyone that owned a Wii U at launch knows, there was nothing to really play on that for, like, nearly a year. So, like, this was kind of my most played game on the Wii U for a long time. Uh, just really cool. A lot of Sega nostalgia. Really good uh, remixes of Sega stuff. A lot of Sega love in general. And gameplay-wise, uh, you you the transformed part of the title comes in, in that you transform from a car... Uh, to a boat if there's water, or to an airplane if there's aerial sections. Um, really cool game, and I think the follow-up that came out just a couple years ago is supposed to not be that good, which is a shame, because this is a genuinely really good kart racer. Um, then the last one I have is Outrun, which uh, is a it's maybe Yu Suzuki's most famous game, uh Maybe the most famous racing game ever. I guess maybe Mario Kart at this point is more famous, but uh, it's just an arcade racing game. It's not as it's not a racing game in the sense of like you're not racing other players. You're only vaguely racing other cars controlled by the computer. It's more of a time trial thing. Um, but yeah, instead of like a racing car, you're just a dude driving like a Ferrari with like a lady that your arm is around and you're listening to chill music as you drive down this like tropical highway. Um, it's just a classic. Um, it's a really genuinely, it's still a really good game to play. Uh, if you own any of the 18 Yakuza games, you can play it in those games and at any of the Sega arcades. Um, nothing else to really say except that at one point outrun was so ubiquitous uh, when I was in driving school in Ohio back when I was 16 or whatever, one of the videos they showed us was started off with a kid playing Outrun. And I was the only kid in that class that was like, oh, it's Outrun. Uh, so that that's all I got. <laughs> well, yeah, and, uh, like I said at the beginning, um, I've probably played, uh, you know, I've probably played less than like, 15 racing games in my life is just not a genre that I really have uh, delved too far into. But you know, um, as as it seems like for both of us, like some of the some of the better ones do uh, do stick in the mind and are, are pretty memorable experiences. Um, let's move on to the next category, which is uh, puzzle games. So uh, so Matt, why don't you uh, give us your definition of uh, of what a puzzle game is? So this one, I think you can kind of break this one wide open. Obviously, most people are probably going to immediately think of stuff like Tetris. So like falling block stuff. That's obviously a puzzle. But yeah, I, I would stretch that further and just say like, yeah, any game that you're kind of using more of your logic than um, 
like your dexterity, I guess. Um, not to say that puzzle games can't have like dexterity oriented things going on. We'll get into it for sure, but I don't know. There, just any game where you are generally solving puzzles more than like hitting stuff, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the first, the first game I have on my list, and this is one of my favorite games of all time, The Witness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure you're not surprised at all to hear me uh, bring that one up. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but uh, it's um, for, for those familiar with a game like Mist from, uh, from, from the 90s or the series Mist from the 90s, uh, this kind of has a similar, similar vibe where it's, you know, first person, you're kind of on a deserted island and um, you're just walking up to these uh, these different puzzles that you have to deal with. And, um, you know, what's really neat about this game is not only are there puzzles in terms of you'll just walk up and there will be, like, what looks like a flat computer screen where you, you know, obviously there are puzzles on there. But then there's even environmental puzzles as well within this, uh, within this world. And, uh, you know, you've got uh, the, the game, obviously gives you different types of puzzles to solve and all of them sort of ramp up in difficulty as you progress. There's stuff that are like kind of Tetris-like puzzles. There's other ones that are more um, maze-like. And there's even stuff where you've got um, mazes that you have to solve where you have two lines going on uh, on the right and the left-hand side. And and um, there's like a s- symmetry element where when you move them up, both lines on each side go up at the same time and you have to navigate different puzzles on the right and left hand side while, you know, being restricted to the way you're moving. It moves both of the lines that you're dealing with. Um, it's just a really, really fascinating game and, and something that, uh, you know, it, again, it, it teaches you a language as you play. Right. Uh that's a really cool part about like any puzzle game. Um, yeah, that learning the language, especially in the witness where there is the only dialogue in that game is like his weird philosophy videos that I don't really like or agree with. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it doesn't ever explicitly tell you how to solve these puzzles or anything. You just figure it out just by looking and doing. Um, and yeah, in terms of the environmental puzzles, I remember, when you first started playing that game, I think you you played it a little bit and then I came over and you were getting real, real into it. And then I left and then I came over the next like afternoon and it was like, you know, that always sunny in Philadelphia uh, meme of like Charlie day with like a, a cork board behind him, smoking a cigarette, going crazy. You were explaining to me like, Oh, but there can, there can be puzzles in the environment. Like, look, oh, it's in the sky. Like, you legitimately sounded like a crazy person. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've, you know, I watched you play probably at least like 15 hours total of that game. So I've never played it myself, but I know exactly what it is. And I know uh, I'm intimately familiar with it. And yes, it's, it's a super cool puzzle game for sure. Um, for my first one, one we talked about on the Game of the Year podcast for 2021, uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. So I won't spend too much time on it. But yeah, it's a falling block puzzle game. Uh, it's a roguelike with the Shovel Knight aesthetic and characters. It's really neat. It's super unique. Uh, never really played anything like it. Um, I just saw yesterday they're doing a bit... Well, it was announced a while ago that they're doing a big update 
but uh, I just saw a video of it yesterday, and they're adding a ton of content to the game. So go back, listen to that Game of the Year podcast to hear me ramble about it more. Um, and if it sounds good, they're doing a big old update for it. Um, and then I also, for I'll get my falling block ones out of the way. I've got Tetris Effect on here, which I love Tetris. It's the only one of those falling block puzzle games I've ever been good at. Like, I suck at Puyo Puyo, and I suck at um, any, any of them that aren't Tetris. Um, I think this is the best Tetris. You can... There can be an argument made for other ones, obviously, but in terms of, like, a, a pure, like, single-player, like, zen game, I don't think there's a better version of Tetris than Tetris Effect. Uh, it's uh, by the creator of Rez. His name is escaping me at the moment. Mizuguchi, I think, is his last name. Uh, he just makes very, uh, like, games that try to induce synesthesia, and there's so much just beautiful visuals. Uh, you'll, you're flying through space and seeing like laser space dolphins while this like techno music is just thumping. Um, and then you're playing Tetris. Like it, it's super, <laughs> it's super cool. And I can just zone out to that game. Like I still to this day, four or five years later, if I just want like a quick, like, hit of, like, pure uh, happiness, I guess. I can just load up Tetris Effect and just play through that whole campaign in, like, an hour and then be done with it. Yeah, I um, I feel kind of bad now because, uh, spoiler alert, I have a Tetris game on my list, but not in the puzzle category. Okay. I'm just... God, I'm guessing I know where it is now that I'm thinking about it, but that that's pretty interesting. <laughs> But yeah, we'll talk about it later, I guess. Um, but yes, uh, um, love Tetris. Uh, we'll, um, so the next game I have, and a game I know we've both played, uh, Return of the Obra Dinn. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, I forget, did we, I, I think we may have, or I may have brought this up on one of our Game of the Year podcasts. I don't remember, but I think the time, I think it came out on the Switch in 2020, so that sounds right. Yeah, so again, probably discuss that, hopefully discuss that on the 2020 <laughs> Game of the Year pod, so we don't have to go into, into great detail, but, um, you know, basically you're a guy that is, um, you're, you're boarding a ship, you're some sort of like investigator, right, or detective. Uh, like an, an insurance adjuster, I think. Oh, yeah. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, you are boarding a ship to kind of see, okay, um, what happened here? And this is based in, uh, based a long time, based, uh, what, in the 1800s or something to that effect? I um, think, yeah, like late 1800s, I think. So, um, as you go through and as you look uh, for clues, like you, you even get to see little clips of, of situations that happened and you're putting the, the puzzle pieces together and you're trying to figure out, okay, who are the identities of the, of these people? Um, how did they die? You know, did they commit any murders or, or do anything prior to their own death as well? So it's, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating game. Um, the, the next one, again, another, another game that we both, uh, I believe have played, and that is uh, Portal 2. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, you know, beyond like there's there's a lot of funny elements because you have like an AI talking to you throughout most of the game, and and the dialogue is often pretty humorous. Um, and then the you know, based on the title, you have like a portal gun that allows you to you know jump through portals, and um, you basically use that to get from one area to the next, and uh, you know. Seems pretty simple, but it gets pretty complicated and pretty difficult at times. But it's uh, a really fun puzzle game, and one of those where, yeah, like I think the the core to any great puzzle game is like, okay, once you solve it, you just feel really satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Portal Two also on my list under this category. Um, just fantastic. Uh, it just came out on Switch, also, which. Uh, my wife and I are like, I really want to do the co-op campaign with her because yeah, the whole co-op campaign is separate and it's its own set of levels, and it's also it's fantastic. I haven't played it in so long that I know I won't remember almost any of it, uh, which is cool. But yeah, Portal Two, one of the best games ever made. Like it's twenty bucks on your Switch, just buy it if you haven't played it. It's amazing. Um, for my last game in this category, <laughs> this also might be. Maybe it's not the one that's, like, stretching the definition of the category the most thin that I have, but it's pretty close. Uh, I've got Punch-Out for the Wii. Um, oh, which... wow. Okay. So I, I, I knew you were going to have this game, <laughs> but I was anticipating it being in the, the literally the next category. <laughs> <laughs> so I, ever since the original Punch-Out on the NES, I've always kind of considered Punch-Out to be more of, like, a... Honestly, I'd almost put it in the rhythm category before the sports category. Um, it's like a rhythmic puzzler in a way of, yeah, it, it's dressed up like a cartoony boxing game. And in that regard, it just, it looks fantastic still. The graphics are amazing. Animation is incredible. Um, but yeah, like if I really break that game down, it's all you're doing is figuring out how to beat each opponent because you're you're little Mac. You can't just brute force these dudes that are like four, five, six times bigger than you. So it's like a matter of figuring stuff out in the timing. So you'll have like King Hippo who is basically indestructible except for when he opens his mouth. So you have to dodge all of his attacks and wait for his mouth to open. Then you pop him in the mouth and then you just start wailing on his stomach. It makes perfect sense. Um, I think what makes it a puzzle game to me is that you have such limited, um, verbs. Like you can only move left or right. Like you're locked in place. You're, you are locked at, on, in, in your position in the ring. You can only dodge left or right. You can duck and block and you can punch high or punch low. That's it. So it's a matter of with that super limited moveset. Now you have to figure out the timing and the order of operation to take down each of these like weird giant men. Um, it's one of my favorite games ever made. I would love a sequel. Uh, all three of the home console punch out games are amazing, but to me, this is the best one. Yeah. Um, spoiler. I have it in my, even though you just gave a great argument for why it shouldn't be in the sports category. That's where I put it. Um, hey, it, it, it looks like a sports game. Like, you show that to any person on the street, they're going to say that's a boxing game. So I don't think that's absurd. Um, but, uh, yeah, I um, 
as you know, I, I didn't really get into my first uh, Nintendo console purchase was the Wii U, which makes me probably the only person that that's the case. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I got punch out on the Wii U and, uh, you, you recommended that, that I, that I play that. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I, I love it. Um, I, I concur with, with all the things you, you said about it. Um, so, for for my last uh, puzzle game here, um, I don't think you ever played. I, I don't know if you ever played this game, but I, I think you definitely watched me play some of it, and that's Limbo. Uh, I did play through Limbo. I really don't remember much beyond you know the giant spider near the beginning, but yeah, I did play through it. Yeah, so I mean, you could almost describe this as like it uh, would calling it like a puzzle slash platformer makes sense because it is like a 2d i mean there's there's not a lot of stuff where you have to input quick commands or anything to get through areas but uh, it is mostly like you know going from left to right across the screen and you have these obstacles in your way and you've got to kind of just figure it out and the game doesn't really tell you anything um but as as you stated there's like uh, there's these moments where you you deal with like a giant spider and uh, there are like certain like chase sequences. But um, I just remember it as a very, uh, a very cool experience. Not only, you know, some of the, the puzzle elements were fun, but the visuals, it's all like black and white. Um, and there's, yeah, there's even like a bit of like tension and horror elements that were genuinely scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is just like dripping with atmosphere again, especially for the time period it originally came out in. Uh, this is back in like the early 2010s, um, when indie games were kind of first like really getting bigger and, and, and more popular. Um, yeah, there wasn't much else like it at the time. And yeah, it, it's the definition of a puzzle platformer to me. So yeah, I think it totally fits here. All right. So let's move, uh, let's move to the, uh, the sports category and I am, absolutely ecstatic to hear your selections in this category because uh for for those that don't know you matt uh, you're not you're not the biggest uh, sports person just in general um but uh so so i and and also like given that i was like well then he has to throw a punch out in sports (laughs) (laughs) so uh first off yeah would you like to sort of describe how you would define sports in games and then also i think like maybe even though this isn't a category we've talked about yet but i think one of the things that uh that you mentioned to me and why i maybe have a few sports games in a different category is how that compares to like something like simulation yeah so with sports obviously it's probably going to deal with real life sports in some way or another be that you know golf basketball whatever but yeah um there, to me, in my mind, there is a difference between like a simulation game like FIFA or NBA 2K versus um, more arcadey things like I don't know Mega Man Soccer or Tiny Toon Soccer or Mario Tennis or whatever. So all of those games I just listed, you could count them as a sports game, but yeah, there are just some that I would consider more arcadey than others. Like yeah, with with a FIFA or something. To me, that is a sports simulation. Like, there's nothing really arcadey about it. Um, whereas, yeah, you know, the M- Mario Golf is much more, yeah, you can fit that in golf into arcade. It, it can be a lot of things. But, yeah, basically, I think as long as there is a sport or a facsimile 
version of a sport being played, I think it can count in this category. Yeah, so um, I'll I'll start, and and this is just uh, this is a game that I, I discussed extensively in the 2020 Game of the Year pod, and that's Captain Subasa. And uh, again, if if you want to hear my extended thoughts, uh, you can go to that uh, that Game of the Year pod that we did. But um, yeah, just a really fun soccer game. The uh, the single player sort of story mode is excellent, um, like genuinely great storytelling. Uh, the the gameplay is really fun and goofy. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's just a fantastic experience. And they even added like a DLC, which I purchased but have not gone through and actually played uh, the the additional chapter of the story yet. I, I plan to, but uh, yeah, um, just a, just a fantastic game. Yep. I still haven't gotten around to playing it myself, uh, but yeah, it looks super cool. I love the like sev- late seventies, early eighties anime aesthetic it's got going on. Uh, just a really neat looking game. Um, so for mine, I guess I'll start with the one that is the most, uh, I don't know, I guess normal, uh, kind of, uh, which is Mario Tennis on Game Boy Color specifically because the console versions of Mario Tennis are just more straightforward, just back-and-forth tennis playing, whereas Mario Tennis on Game Boy Color, it has, like, a single-player mode where there's RPG elements and stat building. So, like, you uh, you go into this tennis academy, and then you're starting off in, like, the lowest class, basically, and you have to rise the ranks, as you play and beat people in tennis, you level up and you can put those uh, points into different stats, like your your serving power, uh, your you know your fade and whatnot. Um, I'm not going to make the argument that this is one of the best sports games ever made, but like yeah, I played the hell out of this game, especially back in like 1999 or 2000, whenever it came out. This, besides Pokemon, this is probably my most played game on the Game Boy Color, and it just it got me in a way that no other tennis game ever really has, just because of that single player uh, story mode. And then for some reason, at the end, you get to go to like heaven and play Mario and Peach and tennis. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I um, I've played. I don't. I don't think I've played that particular version, but I've played some some Mario Tennis games throughout the years, and yeah, they're they're really enjoyable. Um, the uh, the next game, I I also I should mention, I also had a Punch Out on my list here, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, the next one I have is NBA Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's unfortunate that, uh, and, and spoiler alert for even the, this, the rest of this category and simulation, uh, I will not have any like, uh, yeah, realistic NBA or basketball games on here because um, none of them are even close to some of my favorite games of all time or even favorite sports games of all time. But um, NBA Jam was one of those that, yeah, kind of the goofy basketball element where, like, you know, you you catch fire and you're <laughs> and you can dunk from half court. Or you can 
make like eight consecutive threes if you're if you're on fire. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got like the the goofy commentating where uh, he'll say like boom shakalaka. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just it's just a perfect blend of um, you know obviously I love basketball but then sort of just the the goofy silliness. Um, and, and like also just kind of the two on two and like on defense, you can just straight shove the guy as a defensive tactic. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's just a really fun game and, and something that I, I bought, uh, NBA jams, different versions of NBA jam to play on consoles. And then I also played NBA jam a decent chunk at the arcade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an arcade classic. Uh, again, growing up with the Sega Genesis back in the nineties. Yeah. We played this all the time. I think, we rented a copy and then that Planet Hollywood, not Planet Hollywood, Planet Video closed down. So we just didn't have to return our copy of NBA Jam and we just <laughs> kept playing it. I will, I always picked the Seattle Supersonics. I don't know why, I, but as a seven year old, it just made sense. I was always the Seattle Supersonics. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll keep, let's keep the basketball theme going. Uh, and this is, Again, this one is probably the one that stretches my or stretches our definition of a sports game the most. But I've got Pyre, that's P-Y-R-E, uh, by Supergiant Games, the creators of Hades. Um, this is a really cool game. I didn't play it until last year, despite owning it for a long time. But yeah, it is kind of a it's like a three on three basketball kind of game. You have you're you're trying to to score by um, kind of getting your your ball. I forget what it's called. Maybe it's not. No, the pyre is the actual flame slash hoop. You're trying to score by putting this orb into the, this flame, and it it basically is just like kind of a slower paced basketball. Um, or yeah, I would almost like I've I've played very I've played a little bit of this, so um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would almost describe it as like a combination of basketball and handball. Okay, sure. I've only played a tiny bit of handball when I was in elementary school, but yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, it. I don't know when I saw footage of the game like years ago, I was like, oh, this is it. This doesn't look. It looks very, like, slow-paced, and, like, I don't know, it didn't look that interesting to me. But when you're actually playing it, and you're actually, you know, forming your team, because each teammate is, like, a different person in this, like, dystopian desert wasteland that you meet up with and recruit. Uh, Each character has different abilities and skills. Like, you have, like, a hawk lady that can move super fast. I I don't remember any of these characters' names, unfortunately, but there's this really small dude... Who could like? He was like a flea. He was like hopping all over the place. He, I, I never let him leave because he was like that. That dude was my ace in the hole. Um, because that's the thing about this game. The other half of it is like an Oregon Trail esque. Uh, like you are in a caravan and you're traveling the world and going to your different basketball games. Um, but you're making decision decisions along the way of like. What should you be focused on doing in your downtime? Like, should you be resting? Should you be studying? Should you be talking to the, your other caravanners? Um, and the ultimate goal being, if you win, like, your season, if you're the champions of your season of basketball, uh, one of your people get to leave the wasteland and get back 
to their original world. You never get to see that original world and you learn all this stuff as you're going. It's, I've talked way too much about this game already. Um, it's super neat. I was not expecting to fall in love with it the way I did. Um, but yeah, I, it's really neat and I just couldn't resist putting it on here to keep comparing it to basketball to bother you. Yeah. And again, I, I bought it and, and played just a bit of it. I do want to, uh, get back into it a little bit more and yeah it seemed it seemed very intriguing from from what little i played uh, my final game i have on this list is a game that like I, it was a you know <laughs> it was a sensation like i think basically everyone i knew was playing it at a certain point and i i really enjoyed it i don't think i liked it as much as others but um the the final game i have here is rocket league okay yeah um and for those that uh, I'd be surprised if anyone doesn't know what Rocket League is, but for those that don't, it's uh, basically a soccer soccer, but in vehicles. <laughs> yep. the, instead of players, your cars that are hitting the ball, and, and it's a giant soccer ball as well, and it's a giant field. Um, really interesting concept, and yeah, like it, uh, it it made for great sort of co-op experiences. I know my brother who's, you know, more into the sort of the social gaming experience, was was super into it. All his friends played it with him. And, um, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed it a decent amount as well. Um, but, yeah, again, I'm, I'm more into the, the single-player solo experiences, so I maybe didn't get into it as much as others. But it's, it's a really good game. Yeah, Rocket League's awesome. When it first came out, yeah, I was playing it a bunch the first few weeks. I mean, I fell off of it just because, yeah, other people also fell off of it. But... Um, yeah, if you had someone to regularly play it with, it, it's awesome. Um, I'll also say, uh, the soccer game in, uh, the Nintendo Switch sports game that came out a couple months ago, it's basically just like a slower paced, uh, more approachable Rocket League. And it's pretty cool, actually. Um, I need to get back to it. Um, so yeah, for my last two, the first one I have is Kirby's Dream Course, uh, when I first was making this list, I was a running bit that only I would think is funny was that I was trying to see if I could fit a Kirby game into every category. <laughs> uh, I think I basically could have, but I resisted. But this is one of the best Kirby spinoffs. This isn't just like a joke. Uh, it's basically Kirby golf. Um, and it's genuinely great. I think maybe you played it a tiny bit. I don't remember, but, uh, the gimmick with it is that, yeah, it's genuinely a combination of Kirby and golf. So not you, Kirby is a ball and you're, you're trying to get him into the hole, but you also have to destroy all the enemies on the, on the, the play field first before the hole even appears. Uh, and then depending on what enemy you kill, uh, you also get their power much like in a normal Kirby game. So, uh, each of these powers do different things. Like you can turn to a rock and you'll like immediately stop wherever you are. Um, you can get a UFO power and just fly around a fireball power and you'll like, uh, burst forth into fire in the direction you're already going in. Uh, it's genuinely great. Uh, Kirby is a series known for having really, really good spinoffs. And this is probably my number two spinoff. It's genuinely fantastic. Uh, it's also, if you have Nintendo switch online, it's available for free on there on the super Nintendo app. And then my last one is uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. So the 
the remakes that just came out like a couple years ago. Um, I played the hell out of Tony Hawk two and three as a kid. Um, but I never revisited them. I kind of just assumed, uh, that they wouldn't hold up. Uh, it's not true. <laughs> uh, Tony Hawk one and two is genuinely fantastic. Um, they play almost more like a platformer. Like they're, they're kind of like a 3d platformer. You're just on a skateboard the whole time. Um, I genuinely think it holds up or they both hold up better than most N64 era platformers. Like I love Mario 64, but honestly, I think I'd rather play Tony Hawk one and two. Uh, and then also, you know, add the very iconic soundtrack, which they got most of the original songs that you would want to be in these remakes. And yeah, it's a fantastic package. Um, not that I'm an expert. I think it's probably the coolest sports game that's come out in the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, probably similar to rocket league at the time. Um, basically everyone was playing this, right? Like, um, oh. I, I, I somehow like, I, I, I do remember playing it some, but I somehow missed the boat and, and didn't play, uh, any of those games extensively. So I, I should probably go back and, and try those cause they do sound like, uh, a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, that remake is genuinely, like, yeah, I think it's not even full price. Yeah, you should check it out. I think you genuinely dig it just from, like, a platformer perspective. All right, so our next category is uh, is rhythm. I initially, uh, I initially, when I was trying to come up with the categories, put this as, uh, as musical games, but... Uh, uh, Matt, you you told me we should we should switch it to rhythm, and uh, so so what are your thoughts on rhythm as a uh, as a video game genre? So I think musical is actually pretty apt. Um, it's just that uh, you know people just call this genre rhythm, so it's it's more for clarity's sake than anything. But yeah, uh, rhythm obviously it's going to include any music oriented game, obviously guitar hero rock band, or maybe that isn't obvious anymore. Those haven't been popular in a decade. Um, but I, yeah, I would go further and just say like anything where the music is like, um, an inseparable part of the experience. That's kind of how I would define this set of games. Yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll mention one of mine and, and, and one of them's <laughs> something you already said, uh, and that is uh, rock band. And, uh, mm-hmm. If I had to pick a specific version, maybe maybe Rock Band Two. I think uh, Rock Band One and Rock Band Two were both. Uh, um, they both came out while we were still in high school, or right around that time period. Correct? Yeah, like two thousand eight, nine, something like that. Yeah, and uh, so at the time, as you said, maybe some some of our younger listeners uh, might uh, not have experienced this, but. Uh, at the time, these were just absolutely huge. I mean, they were the ultimate sort of party experience. You could get four friends playing at the same time. You had one person on vocals, one on guitar, one on bass, one on drums. Um, you know, the uh, the library, the, the music library for these games were were very extensive. So you could you could play for for multiple hours and never play the same song twice. Uh, it was just, uh, it was, 
it was a great time, a great time with friends and also a great time with, uh, uh, you know, for family gatherings and stuff as well. And uh, it was also one of those things. I know you were big into the uh, the Guitar Hero uh, games, which even, I think, preceded some of the, the rock band stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, getting really good and you were you were even better than I was on the, the guitar and stuff. You could play the, the expert difficulties, I remember. And um, But uh, yeah, you know. Even just improving on those instruments and getting to the point where you're um, you're doing hard difficulty. I, I think a lot of times I would challenge myself and do hard vocals and hard guitar at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, playing that game was uh, was absolutely a blast and one of my most uh, memorable. You know, we've got we've got the co-op category coming up, and this uh, and Rock Band obviously could fulfill that criteria as well. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the one of the better music oriented games I've ever played. Yeah, I'll give a shout out also to Rock Band Three, just because it came with a keyboard, like an actual functional keyboard. Uh, that was yes. pretty cool. Um, I also shout out Beatles Rock Band, which, hey, I'm not that big a fan of the Beatles. My wife is, I'm not, but there was definitely like a, um, like an art form to the Beatles, uh, Beatles Rock Band that I feel like wasn't present in the others. Like they really went above and beyond with the presentation. Uh, the intro to that game is still like beautiful. It's like styled after like, you know, old, I don't even want to get into it, but it's really cool. Just watch the intro. It's neat. Um, Oh, and I do also want to emphasize for no one or for anyone that has never played Rock Band, it came like it's not an exaggeration. Like you had little plastic guitars and you had an actual like fake drum set, but it took up the real physical space of a drum set. It's pretty crazy to think back on how much space and plastic uh, was being used for these games back then. Um for my first game in the rhythm category, I'll do Elite Beat Agents, which is another Nintendo DS obscure little thing that you can't play anymore. Um, it's a, it's another kind of basic, uh, like, so the, the, uh, the Nintendo DS had a two-screen setup, and then the bottom screen was a touchscreen. So in this game, uh, you're basically tapping dots on the touchscreen at the right timing to the song that's going on. Uh, for the most part, there's also stuff where you're like sliding or dragging. I think you were like spinning like a globe at some point or something. Um, it might be my favorite just pure rhythm gameplay ever. That touchscreen gameplay was so cool. Um, the game actually had a story. You're playing like these kind of FBI agent cheerleaders uh, that are solving people's problems and that can range from like um, like a baseball player doesn't he's not good at swinging the bat anymore so they help him get his swing back uh, all the way to the end of the game where aliens are taking over the world uh, it's very goofy and silly it's a first party Nintendo game um, I really wish they'd bring it back uh, be it sequel or remaster or something it would be really cool on switch uh, it's just a really great game the only downside is the soundtrack kind of sucks sort of there are some really good songs in there but even the good ones they're all covers because uh, nintendo doesn't want to pay money for the original earth wind and fire songs i guess um 
But otherwise, fantastic rhythm game, fantastic uh, story even. I got emotional at times. Uh, just a really, really cool game, and I've never seen anything else like it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds super neat, and yeah, I uh, I concur. I hope they uh, they do put it on the Switch at some point because I would be interested in trying that out. But uh, the um, the next game on my list is a uh, it's actually you know a uh, by the creators of Rock Band, a game that came out within the last couple of years, and that's a game called Fuser. Mm-hmm. And uh, this game, for those that aren't familiar, essentially. Um, you are you are kind of like playing as a DJ, and um, similar to Rock Band, you have access to a bunch of uh, a bunch of different songs. But uh, what's sort of unusual or interesting about this experience is you get to sort of mix and match all of these songs that you have at your disposal. Um, so, for instance, you could play one song, you could play the vocals of that song. Another song, you could play the the keyboard of that of of that. And a third song, you could play the the bass line. And it seems like it would be a, a mismatch of, of things, and and maybe at times it doesn't sound great, but at other times, like when you actually nail it and and get some stuff that really works together, it's really satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think the reason it didn't hit off like Rock Band is it's, you know, it's, it's much more of a single player experience. Um, and, uh, the, the only other issue I had, I played it for over 10 hours. Um, and I probably did that in like one weekend. I just had a blast with it. But I feel like when you step away from the game, the, the control scheme and everything, it's not super intuitive. So if, if mm-hmm. I picked it back up now after not playing it for months, I probably would, you know, have to start from scratch and relearn all of the the different things. But, for, you know, for for a weekend experience of of just getting to try that out, like it is a really really neat game. Yeah, uh, I've never played it. I was curious about it, just never got around to it. But um, I, I the weekend it came out, I watched like a professional DJ do like a DJ set online using this using Fuser as the tool. Uh, that's pretty damn cool, uh, if nothing else. But yeah, uh, for my next game, I'm, I guess I'll get the other Nintendo one out of the way. Um, I got Rhythm Heaven Paradise for the Wii. Um, I think I actually, I think I brought this over to your house one time a billion years ago. Um, it's just a very cartoony, very basic rhythm game. Like, you're only ever tapping either A or B or both. Um, it's just in the context of each mini game, you're doing different goofy things. Like you're, uh, you're, you're like a high school kid that's trying to go on a date with this girl, but then this like gopher is also trying to go on a date. And then you're on this, this football field. So you have to kick soccer balls and basketballs away from the gopher or whatever. Um, just a lot of goofy stuff like that, or you're playing badminton in airplanes and trying to not miss your shots. Um, it's all super catchy. It all has a super unique art style. It's um, very, I can't, I can't really describe it any other way. It's just super cartoony and just super well animated. Um, like I said, it's very simple, but I've never played a rhythm game that I thought was harder to like, get like a perfect score on 
Uh, each level is probably not longer than like a minute and a half, but I'll be damned if I will ever get the perfect score on Monkey Watch, which is literally a watch where you high-five monkeys around uh, the clock face. Um, it's just a really great time. I don't. There's not much else to say about it in this short span of time, but it's one of the best rhythm games I've, I've ever played, and uh, Nintendo should do another one. That's kind of a running um, theme with my list, really, is Nintendo should do more of these weird things. Yeah, and, you know, when when I initially kind of uh, approached you about doing this, I think one of the things that intrigued me about the idea was just to sort of, um, in the process of, of coming up with, with my list and also talking with you about your list, um, I was expecting or I was hoping that, like, yeah, I would be reminded of games that I had played that kind of had left my mind, and, and this is one of them. I remember you bringing it over and, and us having an absolute blast with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's something that the listeners are getting as well is, uh, you know, some of these games that, uh, yeah, maybe they haven't thought of in years all of a sudden. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that, that game exists. Right. Um, the, uh, I'll just mention my last couple here in this mm-hmm. category because one, um, Sayonara Wild Hearts, um, was a game that uh, I think I, I brought up in, in one of our game of the year uh, podcasts, but uh, another game that uh, that, I, that I had a really good time with, really short experience. You could play it in all in one night, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, really, really fun game. And then my my final one is a game called I know you've played this as well, Matt uh, Thumper. Mm, I, hey, I kind of forgot about Thumper, but that's a pretty great game. Yes. Um, so. You're essentially a beetle, right? I, the best way to describe it is you're a beetle in that game. Yeah, yeah, some like weird robot beetle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, the camera is directly behind the beetle. It's like third person, and you're on a rail. And uh, essentially, it's it's a um, pretty simple game, but yeah, you'll have along the rail, you'll have these lines that you have to you know you have to press the button as you like at the exact time you cross those lines. You'll also have times where you have, like, the rail turns sharply to the left or right, and you have to, you know, move your joystick to the left or right to match, and not only with the timing, but uh, the direction that the rail is turning. Um, but, yeah, just a, just a really fun game, and uh, the, the game speeds up in intensity and, and really ramps up in difficulty as you, as you go along. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Thumper is amazing. Uh, I don't think I finished it. If I did, I it was a while ago. But uh, another thing worth noting with Thumper is that it's also like borderline uh, a horror game at times, or even like most of the back half. Like yeah, really, just... really, uh, really sort of trippy visuals. Yeah, and even like borderline like Lovecraftian at times. Like there's weird like just. I don't know, like, space god faces in the background and stuff. Um, It's also uh, available to play on VR. I know on PlayStation VR you can play it in VR and probably other stuff too. Um, I believe I did it once for, like, five minutes, and it was just giving me motion sickness, so I didn't do it too much longer. But really cool game. Uh, I think that's available on, like, everything, including the Switch. So if you never played Thumper, honestly, that'd probably be, like, my pick of this whole uh, category is in terms of how easy it is to play it and how cool it is. Yeah. 
check out Thumper if you've never played it. That is a wild uh, game. Yeah, my uh, one, one. I just had one more quick note on it. I thought it was interesting too that like I, I did like play it for ten fifteen minutes before we started recording, and um, one of the things I thought was was kind of neat was that the levels flow into each other. So mm-hmm. you start mm-hmm. level one one. Once you beat it, it gives you a score, but then you're just immediately going into level 1.2. Um, right. I thought that mm-hmm. that is just kind of a neat way to keep the momentum up and, uh, you know, keep you feeling sort of in a groove. Right. Yeah, that game is super neat, and, yeah, I feel kind of bad for forgetting about it because when it came out, I was really all about it for a while there. Um, I guess speaking of VR... Uh, I have Res Infinite on my list, which I believe you played at, at my grandma's place a few years ago uh, with the VR headset on. Um, it would take way too long <laughs> to really get into this. Um, Res was originally a Dreamcast game from like 20-something years ago at this point. They remastered it on PlayStation 4 and PSVR. Uh it's like this trippy late nineties, like techno uh, junk kind of, it's just, it's very of its era in that regard. It's very like, uh, otherworldly. It's kind of matrixy. Uh, and it's all set to this really cool music. Uh, and everything you do in the game affects the music. So, like you're this like floating red figure and you're, you're shooting things around you and that is creating um, like beats and melodies around you as you're going. So it's not a rhythm game in the sense of like rock band where you, you're having to play the song the correct way. It's just kind of an experience more like Sayonara Wild Hearts in that way, but a little more punishing because I think Sayonara Wild Hearts, you can't die. It's more like a, a visualizer for the album. Um, what really sets Res Infinite over the top for me is uh, they added this new area in this Infinite version called Area X. And when you're playing it in VR, uh, I've never played anything else like it. Um, I genuinely had like an emotional experience the first time I was playing it. Uh, I think I also somewhat experienced synesthesia. Um, Like, yeah, when I took that big, clunky, dumb VR headset off my head, like, I had tears on my cheeks. Again, I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, it's a really neat thing. I think it's on other VR stuff now. I don't know what, probably the Quest and the Oculus or whatever, but the game is awesome regardless of VR. But if you can check it out in VR, that's, like, the one thing I always recommend to people play in VR. Yeah, I um I I do remember playing that and yeah, I experienced something similar to what you said when you you tried Thumper in VR where I I got a little motion sick, but um but yes, like from what what I did play, it was a very very unique, very neat um immersive experience. Yeah, and I also forgot to mention uh it's by uh the same guy. I can never remember his name, Mizuguchi, uh who did Tetris Effect back from our puzzle category. Um, for my last game, this is my weird one in the category and the one that fits the least, but I got Hotline Miami in here, um, which I think most people, myself included, would probably more classify Hotline Miami as a shooter, 
or some kind of arcade game, maybe. Um, to me, the experience is so tied to the music. Like, if you take the music out, I don't have any desire to play that game, for one. Um, but, yeah, it would just take so much away. Um, so, for those who don't know, Hall in Miami is just a very gory, like, overhead shooter. It's it's almost like a puzzle game where you have to figure out how to clear out rooms of dudes that are all trying to kill you, and you die in one hit, and most things also die in one hit. Um, and you're going to die a lot, much like something like Meat Boy or whatever. Uh, but, you know, when you respawn, it's instantaneous, there's no loading times, and the music doesn't cut out. It's just, it turns into this, like, like I go into a, a trance when I play that game uh, with like the, the flashing lights. It's also garish and ugly and just neon. And you have this base just in your soul as you're murdering things. I know this sounds awful. It's one of the best games I've ever played. But <laughs> when you analyze it and try and describe it, it sounds like a nightmare and it kind of is. Well, yeah, it's definitely a tense experience. That's kind of the point. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, I, Hotline Miami was one of the games that I couldn't quite fit on my list, in part because I couldn't quite figure out the category that it should should be in. Um, so I'm glad you were able to, to, to find a, a place for it, because, yeah, it's a game that's definitely uh, definitely worth mentioning. So uh, let's let's move on to the next category then, which is the multiplayer co-op category. And uh, I don't know, does, does this really need to explain to people? This is a game, games that uh, multiple multiple people can play, right? Yeah, I, I think I wanted this here specifically just because I don't know. I view single player games and multiplayer games kind of as like separate in my mind. I don't know if that makes sense, like. I don't quite judge, like, Super Smash Bros. the same way I would judge, like, a Mario game. Um, so that's the only reason it's really here. Also, you know, just more chances to talk about cool games, basically. Yeah, so um, I'll, uh, it, it's funny you mentioned Mario because I'm going to mention a Mario game in here, and we'll see how you react to this. Okay. But, uh um, because yeah, there's obviously uh, there are some games that you know you can you can play solo, but then there's also that that co-op experience. Um, I know you love the solo experience of this game. I actually most enjoyed it for the the co-op experiences I got with family and friends. But that's Super Mario 3D World. Oh, I mean yeah, Mario 3D World is. I go back and forth all the time on if it's my favorite 3D Mario, but yeah, I totally get it as a multiplayer game. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, like I, I specifically remember, and I think my, uh, some of my cousins still talk to me about this to this day. It was such a memorable thing of like, there's a specific level where you are riding the Plessy in, uh-huh. uh, in, in the water uh-huh. and uh, you have like these objects that you have to maneuver around trees or something or big blocks of wood in your path. And you got to, sometimes you could jump over it, but like when you're playing it with, uh, with multiple people, like anyone moving the or their joystick to the right or left like affects it pretty significantly. So like getting four people to all cooperate and all move <laughs> at the same time ended up being just a total disaster. Um, we ended up having to play the level like five or six times, and I kept yelling at everyone because they kept hurting Plessy. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, that that game to me, I know most people would, uh, you know, and I know you in particular loved it as a single player experience. But yeah, that was uh, um, that game is just pretty great all around. Yeah, I love 3D World, both as a single player and as a co-op thing. Like, yeah, you and I played a bunch of co-op on it. I also played a bunch of four-player co-op with friends of ours. Uh, Our friend Ben, I remember playing, there were three or four of us, and Ben was picking Luigi, and he kept, um, I don't know what other way to put this, he was just being like a complete, like, scumbag. Like, he was getting people killed all the time and just cackling the whole way through. It became this thing of, like, scumbag Luigi. Um, (laughs) Yeah, when it came out on Switch last year, yeah, last year, my wife and I played through the whole thing co-op. Great time. It's... It's funny, I never would have thought to classify it as a co-op game, but it totally is. The game is meant to be played with up to four people, so I totally get why it's here. Yeah, let's hear uh, Let's hear what's your first one for this category. So I'll just get this one out of the way real quick. Uh, I had It Takes Two on this list, which is another co-op platformer. Uh, we talked about it pretty extensively on our Game of the Year podcast uh, from this previous year, so we won't get into it too much here, but... Just another, like, fantastic 3D platformer. Um, my issues with some of the story beats or whatever aside, it's, like, magical. Um, truly, like, one of the best 3D platformers I ever played. I never would have expected that out of, like, this very story-heavy co-op 3D platformer that EA published, you know. Um, just a really, really cool game, and once again, I'd recommend... Anyone who has, like, someone else that can knows how to play games, y'all should play this. It's amazing. Completely agree. Yeah, it's, uh, um, I, I only got to experience this because, uh, you, you bought the game and let me, let me play with you. And yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. Um, the, uh, the next one I have on my list, this is, a this is an oldie, but a goodie, um, something dating back to the uh, original Xbox days, and that's Fusion Frenzy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this game uh, that, you know, it was, ab- it was absolutely a blast as, like, a party game. Um, and uh, I-, I specifically uh, want to uh, mention one of the levels in the game. You know, it's a bunch of, like, mini-games that you can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the mini-games was called The Twisted System. Um, and this one, you're kind of like, you're walking up this, uh, it's like a big cylinder with a, you know, a, um, sort of almost like a corkscrew sort of platform that you're walking on as you go up. And, um, you're essentially having to, uh, to either duck these pillars that are right at your head level or jump over these basically, um, speed bumps that, that would trip you up. And, uh, you know, you're allowed to get hit a couple of times, but I think if you get hit three or four times, you uh, you're out, and the game basically goes until there's uh, till everyone gets knocked out. Uh, but uh, I just remember that being that being really great, and it also, um, you know, it's it's one of those games that made me realize, oh, something like you know, a game like Runner Two, where you've got that quick sort of decisions of like oh sliding jumping you know and and just avoiding obstacles it was one of the first games where i'd kind of got to experience that and i just remember it being so much fun well thanks for reminding me that i didn't put runner two on my list so we need to go back to the rhythm category real quick um 
I have never played Fusion Frenzy. I, I'm very aware of what it is. Um, yeah, I I love Mario Party games, and to my understanding, Fusion Frenzy was just an Xbox Mario Party thing. So I totally get it. Um, it's real weird they haven't made another one of those. I feel like, especially the past like five years or so, I I really see a lot of love uh, for Fusion Frenzy and Xbox just. They haven't taken advantage of it, which is kind of weird. Um, for my next game on the list, I've got Overcooked All You Can Eat. Um, this is basically just Overcooked 1 and 2 in one package, plus new stuff with better graphics, basically. So um, for anyone that's never played Overcooked, it is a 1 to 4 player... I don't know if I'd quite describe it as a party game, but... You get plopped into different levels that all have different setups and stations, and you have to make food. Uh, it ranges from super simple stuff like burritos, and you get all the way up to, I'm trying to think, I think pancakes and cakes are like some of the more complicated stuff at, at the end of two. Um, not a whole lot to say about it, really. It's maybe the best like co-op game I've ever played in terms of like you really need to communicate with the people you're playing with. Um, to the point where, like, playing online with random people, I tried it once, and I was just, I will never do that again. It just wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know, it's such a simple concept, but you have so many opportunities, um, for just goofy stuff to happen. Like, you know, the, the levels start off simple, just basic kitchens, but they eventually get crazy. Like, you'll be in hot air balloons, and you'll have to, like, do some light platforming to get from your ingredients over to the stove. Um, the levels will change dynamically. Like you'll crash land into like a mountain and then have to make burritos. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so cool. Um, it also is the only time where doing dishes is fun. Whenever like my wife and I are dividing up the tasks, I'm like, I, I'll do dishes. Don't worry about it. You keep making that spaghetti. I will keep doing dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, um, we uh, we have another one that uh, we we uh, that we matched on because yeah, I have overcooked on my uh, on my list as well. So why don't you why don't you give us another one? Um, okay, I also have Monster Hunter Rise on here, which is about as far away as you can get from Overcooked. Um, again, <laughs> I I won't spend too much time going into Monster Hunter. There's just too much to talk about, but it's a game where you hunt monsters. Um, it's up to four players. Uh, I debated for a while on if Monster Hunter Rise or Monster Hunter World should be on here. Uh, I ultimately went with Rise, which is the most recent one uh, that's on Switch and PC. I just think the combat is maybe the best combat in any game I've ever played. Monster Hunter combat is already just incredible, feels so good, and then they added all these moves that basically turn you into Spider-Man in this game. Um, it's really great. They just released a big expansion for it. Um, like a month ago, my wife and I have been nonstop playing. It's probably what we're going to do all weekend. Um, yeah, there's really not much to say about it. You just hunt giant monsters with swords that are like bigger than your body. That's about it. Yeah. I feel like there's been multiple occasions where I haven't talked to you for a couple of weeks, and I, uh, you know, get on a call with you, and I say, "What have you been up to?" And you're just like Monster Hunter the, the entire time, basically. My, we were up till two a.m. last night. 
and she had to get up to go to work, but we were still up till 2 a.m. farming. What were we doing? Uh, she needed afflicted fangs. We were uh, farming Aurora Somnicant. Afflicted Aurora Somnicant. It was it was a blast. <laughs> All right, so so my last one on uh, on the list for this category is a game that I haven't beaten this game, and I've only played it a couple of times. I, I forget if we ever played it together, but uh, it, Unravel 2. Ah, okay. So um, I never played the first Unravel, but I believe that was more a single-player experience, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Unravel 2 is purely a co-op experience, um, but you're essentially... How, how best to describe this? Your balls of yarn? <laughs> um, uh, I, so I don't know about the second player that's blue, but the the red player from the first game, his name is Yarny. We have to use his proper name. <laughs> but, yeah, um, they uh, um, basically, yeah, you've got uh, a red thing of yarn, Yarny, and then whatever the blue character's name is. Um, and you're basically connected with a with a with a piece of yarn, and um, so you have to the 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 platforming. It's almost like a platformer slash puzzle game where you're utilizing the fact that you're connected together and the I don't know the um, flex or the the tensile nature of of string or yarn that you can like swing each other to get up to higher levels a lot of it is okay you're on the left side of the screen you got to get to the right side or you're at the bottom of the screen and you got to get up higher um and you're you're basically cooperating it's it's a great like i think all of the best co-op games it it uh, really requires and facilitates that sort of cooperation to uh, to basically get where you need to go, and it's a lot of fun in the process. Yeah, uh, I did play the first one. I don't know when it was new. I don't know how many years ago that was. Uh, I own the second one. It goes on sale like dirt cheap very often. I think I bought it for like seven bucks on Switch like over a year ago, and we just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, but yeah, what I've seen is super cool. Um, it's definitely high up my list of things I need to get to. Uh, just the aesthetic alone, like, the fact that he's called Yarny, that alone just makes me want to play the game. Um, for my last game in this list, uh, again, continuing the theme of how many Kirby games can I fit in here, I've got uh, Super Kirby Clash, which is a free-to-play game on the Switch. Uh, again, one to four players. Um, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's kind of like a Monster Hunter Lite where, like, there's different classes that you choose from, but in this case, they're classes of Kirbys. So you've got, like, a Time Wizard Kirby or just, like, a pure Brute Force Kirby or whatever. Um, and it's, yeah, it's basically Monster Hunter Light. Like, you are just on a single screen, and you and the other players just have to kill this giant enemy as fast as you can with taking the least amount of damage, blah, blah, blah. Um, to say it's simple is, like, that's not uh, descriptive enough. It's super duper simple, and that's why it's free to play. I think um, my wife and I put over a hundred hours into this game. Uh, I don't know what it is about it. Uh, again, I guess just the super repetitive nature and the fact that it's just Kirby aesthetics. It's great, and the fact that it's free to play is actually very beneficial for it in this case because I think 
if you're on the fence about it, you don't have to invest any money into it. If you just want like a relatively simple time waster, it's there for you. Um, now this game is a few years old. I think 2019. I have no idea if anyone is still playing the game. I'm not. And if I'm not playing the game anymore, probably no one is, I guess. But for the time, this was like my wife and I's Monster Hunter in between different Monster Hunter games. Like, this is what we did. I would get home from wherever I was. If she was online, we were playing this for hours. Hours. Um, super fun time. They should make another one of these also Nintendo. Yeah, and uh, I remember you you talked about this game a little bit in that uh, in that Kirby pod we mentioned earlier as well, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. uh, yeah that was a very uh, fun discussion. All right, so that's it for the uh, multiplayer co op category. The next one is one that uh, I feel like you still I, I still don't quite grasp <laughs> this as a category. Um, uh, we're we're going to be doing simulation now, and I have um, I have. Uh, Three games that are definitely one type of game in my mind, and then I have another that feels like a completely different thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, why don't you uh, take the unenviable task of trying to describe what simulation is to the people? Yeah, I mean, this is another super broad category, but I think the genre is such a staple in gaming that you have to talk about it. Um Simulate, I mean, yeah, you're simulating something else. Like, a lot of the times you're not, like, a direct, like, you're not usually, I shouldn't say you're not usually, but oftentimes you're not directly controlling, like, a specific character or whatever, right? So think of The Sims or think of, like, Sim City. Like, it's more, usually, it's more of a macro scale thing. Uh, there are exceptions. I have multiple exceptions. In fact, honestly, kind of most of mine are exceptions to that. Um, I guess overall, just think of it as uh, more so like you're simulating the act of something as opposed to running and jumping or shooting or racing. That's how I can simplify it, I guess. Yeah. Um, so this was a uh, you know, given I'm a big I'm a big sports guy, and most of the the games that I listed in the sports category were more in the you know, kind of, um, I don't know if cartoonish is the right term, but, you know, not, not super realistic, but still mm-hmm. fun sports, sports, you know, elements. Um, whereas here I, I'm going to, uh, I've got a, I got, I've got a few that I'm going to mention that are more in the, yeah, this is trying to recreate the sport that I enjoy watching. Um, so the, the first one I'm going to mention, and, and this is the game that I've probably played the most of out of any, any series ever, and that is uh, Pro Evolution Soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they uh, they they ended Pro Evolution Soccer last year, and this year they've gone to a free-to-play model um, that uh, I, I don't deem it nearly as good because they've tried to do a cross-platform type of thing, and the gameplay is is, is difficult to uh, difficult to do with that, but. Um, I played the FIFA games probably from I started in 2009 and played those through 2015, um, and I started playing some of the demos of both FIFA and Pro Evolution Soccer in like 2013, 14, 15, and finally in 2016 I was like, okay, based on the demos, I feel like uh, Pez is just the superior product at this point, and I felt like that remained the case up through at least this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, that that Pez series as a whole, uh, really, really, uh, really fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, it's just it's just unfortunate that they they went the route that they did in terms of like yeah, just trying to maximize money from from digital purchases now. Yeah, obviously, I'm not going to have much to say about any realistic sports game. I will just say as a whole, uh, Konami. Maybe the worst gaming company on the planet, and it sucks because they make they used to make a lot of stuff I really loved. So I feel your pain just <laughs> uh, in in a different way, I guess. Um, for my first game, um, I guess I'll get this one out of the way. Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Uh, again, we covered this in our Game of the Year podcast, so won't get too much into it. Obviously. Uh, this game sold like 30 million copies. I don't think many people need to know about it. Um, but yeah, I've been a big fan of Animal Crossing since the original on the GameCube. Uh, New Horizons, I think some people were disappointed with it when it initially came out. Lack of content compared to some of the other ones. But there was a big update last year, a big free update and a big paid update. So that solved all of my issues with the game, basically. Um, if you just want a super chill kind of a life simulation thing or island life simulation thing, but simulating a life where your neighbors with like a koala bear or a hippo or whatever, this is that. Um, the, the island decorating tools are amazing. Um, they let you terraform your whole island. Obviously it's not, a, it's more restrictive than something like Minecraft, but uh, also a lot prettier. Just a great game all around. If you don't know what Animal Crossing is, uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's just a great game. Uh, it lives up to the hype. Yeah, so uh, the the next, uh, I've got another sports game here uh, to, to mention, and that is Top Spin 4. Um, best, best tennis game I have played to date. And I believe you mentioned that, or you sent me a link, that there's a rumor that a new Top Spin might be in the works. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is very exciting because um, a lot of the uh, the the, dip, the different tennis games like Tennis World Tour and stuff have just kind of fallen flat on their face. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, Top Spin Four, really, really excellent gameplay. One of the it might honestly be the only online experience that I've actually enjoyed enjoyed with a realistic sports game because a lot of times you know. Um, you get online and the lag is obviously a big issue, but then also I feel like instead of people like playing the sport sort of, um, you know, just intuitively they like have, uh, they, they recognize the flaws in the AI of the players and then just like hone in on that specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost treat it like, uh, it's a, it's a bug that they, they have to crack or something, but um, with topspin, um, the online play is really satisfying. The timing up the shots, um, you have like, a, you know, perfect timing or good timing or, you know, bad timing or whatever. That was uh, always made it feel really satisfying as well. But yeah, topspin four, really great tennis game. One of my favorite sports games of all time. And yeah, if, uh, if that rumor for a new topspin is, is real, I am, uh, I'm over the moon excited for that. <laughs> it's weird that, I don't know, 
like I feel like tennis games are they they should be a much easier sport game to do than most other sports. Like I, you know, simulating uh, you know a, a singles tennis match or even a doubles tennis match, I assume is easier to do than simulating like a full soccer game or a full football game or whatever. I don't know if they just didn't sell that well, but yeah, it sucks that it's been so long since they were doing these. Um, for my next game, I've got Hypnospace Outlaw, which, again, super complicated to try and explain, so I'll just give the most bare-bones assessment I can. Um, in terms of what it's simulating, you're uh, basically you're like an internet moderator in an alternate reality 1999 where people access the internet uh, with like headsets while they're sleeping, hence hypnospace. Um, the game is basically just browsing websites and it's kind of a detective game. You're solving quote unquote cases. So like uh, there might be something with copyright infringement. You have to find all the instances of a uh, cartoon character named Gumshoe Gooper being used on people's pages uh, there's stuff with like uh, a virus out- outbreak on Hypnospace, and you have to find all the pages that are affected by it. Um, as someone that grew up on extensively grew up on the internet in the late '90s and early 2000s, this was like a dream for me. This is like one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, it's also easily the most weird and most niche game <laughs> I've ever played. Um, I can't imagine what it would be like trying to play this if you don't know what GeoCities is, for example. Um, but it, it's so cool. The attention to detail is just incredible. Like, the writing feels like it was a bunch of people in 1999 writing on the internet. Um, the music is, like, super low quality because of, you know, that was dial-up internet back then. So you get these crappy, like, MIDI samples and stuff. Um, it's so good. Uh, just talking about it right now, I want to play it again. The problem is, yeah, it's a, it's a linear detect, well, not super linear, but it's a, it's a, it's a puzzle detective games. Like, I still remember all the solutions, so I can't just wipe that from my brain. Um, also, as an aside, it's just my favorite instance of a detective game ever made. Uh, as good as Return of the Oberdin is, I just love the mechanics in this so much. It's truly incredible what they managed to do with this game. Yeah, this was another one that uh, that you recommended to me at the time, and I've put in uh, probably 10-plus hours, I think, and really enjoyed it. I, I do want to go back and dive in some more because, as you said, there's, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, so the next one I have on my list, it's the final sports game I'll mention. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, Fight Night Round 4. Um, and uh, this, I guess this could have theoretically gone into the fighting category as well, but uh, this is more a realistic boxing simulation. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the characters that you have at your disposal, so, so great. Like, you can play as Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, George Foreman, Mike Tyson. Um, it was absolutely a, a, a really great real life boxing sim and one of the games that i feel like you know with with boxing i think the biggest challenge is the whole like stamina component mm-hmm. because in real life you know you can't throw 300 punches every round or else you're just going to be completely exhausted immediately um 
but also, like, in a game, you don't want to make it so limiting that, like, oh, you can only throw 20 punches in the next 20 minutes because, um, you know, that would just make it boring, right? Whereas I, fe- I feel like this game um, had the, the perfect sort of balance where stamina was a factor. You had, to, you had to consider it, but at the same time, it didn't feel, like, super limiting. Yeah, I remember when these were coming out back on the Xbox 360, it was... I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't hear that much about realistic sports games back then. Uh, but yeah, Fight Night like broke through and like you heard about these games even as someone that didn't care about them. Um, really cool uh, little cultural touchstones that I always look back on fondly. Um, for my next game, I've got Act Act Tracer, uh, which is a Super Nintendo game from 1990 or 1991. Um, it's half simulator and half action platformer. So the simulator aspect is you are playing basically as God and you're having to rebuild these societies on these different continents. Like you are helping society grow. You are building houses and eventually upgrading the houses. You're making paths and you're expelling demons from the area. Um, I just think this game is so cool. It's super basic in the simulation aspect and in the action platformer aspect, just inherently because it's a game from over 30 years ago. Um, there's just something about it. Uh, you, you go from flying around and building people's houses, and then your villagers will pray to you and be like, hey, we've got a problem. There's some weird, like, Taurus demon head down in that cave over there. Can you take care of it? And like any god should... You literally come down from the sky wielding a giant sword and you go kill that demon. Um, that combination of things is just so so wild to me. The idea of that back then someone was so forward thinking to be like, yeah, we can do a simulator and an action game in one thing. Um, I, I will shout out the soundtrack is by Yuzo Koshiro, who is my favorite uh, video game music composer of all time, composer of Streets of Rage and all that. Um, very different take, obviously. It's not super neon-drenched techno in this. It's very like somber and beautiful um, orchestral via way or by way of the SNES sound chip. But also there's like wailing guitars when you're doing the action stages. Um, I'll also say they just remade this kind of last year on Switch and PlayStation. I haven't played it yet. I've heard good things. I just haven't gotten around to it. But it's a really special game, and I hope that remake is good because I would still recommend this game to people today. Yeah, so so my last game in this category is... Uh is one that, like I said, it didn't really feel like it fit with the uh, with the sports games I just mentioned. But um, my final one is is Minecraft, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I don't think I have to tell people about Minecraft. It's Minecraft. It's one of the most popular games of all time. But yeah, it was something that uh, uh, at the time I you know when it when it originally came out, it was something that I, I played a lot of, and it was just. Just a, a great place to, to be creative and also, you know, 
um, it was an opportunity to, you know, at least during the day, it was just, it's just a super relaxing game. I'm not, I, I think you're more into the, like, the nighttime sort of terror ele- or the horror elements that the game brings you, but whereas I'm, I'm not as much into that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a game that I put a ton of hours into and, and really enjoy. So I never played too much Minecraft. For me with Minecraft, I just love like the vibe and the atmosphere. And yeah, part of that is the, the horror element of it, of, of nighttime. Um, also the soundtrack. I own that on vinyl and that's a really douchey thing to say, but I own the Minecraft soundtrack on vinyl and it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So for my last game, I saved this till I figured you were going to mention Minecraft. Uh, I've got Dragon Quest Builders 2, which I love this game. Uh, it's basically just Minecraft, but with a Dragon Quest aesthetic and a story. Um, the story is actually really well told. The characters are genuinely engaging. Um, I see a lot of people that start skipping over the dialogue, and that's fine, I guess. But, like, I was there for the story, and I'm not always there for the story. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like... I don't know if if someone is too overwhelmed by what Minecraft has to offer. If you want like a much more guided experience with like a slightly cuter aesthetic, Dragon Quest Builders 2, it is so good. I never get into like stuff games like that, but I played so damn much of this game. It's dumb. Yeah, and I, I mentioned earlier in this episode that uh, yeah, I, I played the demo for for quite a few hours, and yeah, really enjoyed it. It's a it's a very extensive demo, that, and that's why you told me to to give it a try. Um, but yeah, really really fun game. Even though yeah, I I'm not as into the like as much you know it's super dialogue heavy. I wasn't quite as into that element of it. But yeah, the actual gameplay I did I did enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I should, yeah, you can play the first like 20 hours of the game for free on the Switch if you want to. I'd recommend it. Yeah, so uh, is that it for uh, for simulation then? I think so. Okay, so now we're to a category that was uh, maybe the most challenging for me. Because um, <laughs> uh, I do not play, you know, I, I know uh, Call of Duty and uh, Halo and. Uh, you know, all of those uh, series are, um, you know, some of the most popular games of all time. And, and first-person shooters is maybe the most popular genre just from a broad perspective. But uh, I I rarely play uh, first-person shooters. So uh, the shooter category was a challenge for me to come up with four, but I, I did. And uh, we'll, we'll get to them in a moment. But uh, Matt, was, uh, was there anything you wanted to describe about shooters as a category before we get into it not necessarily um obviously first person shooter third person shooter pretty self-explanatory i think there's an argument to be made where just any game where your your main verb is firing a gun of some sort that can count as a shooter but yeah it's pretty basic okay so the 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 first game that i'm going to mention here and this is probably bad on my part that I don't know um, the exact version uh, of the game of this series that uh, that I played, but the, and maybe you can help me out with this because you may have played it with me or watched me play it at one point or another. But um, I remember there being a House of the Dead game where I actually had like the um, the gun that you would get in the arcade, so you mm-hmm. could do um, the actual shooting with a gun at the screen. 
but I remember the House of the Dead game being really fantastic and one of those that I, um, you know, spent spent quite a deal of time playing and, and just a really creepy experience as well. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever played a House of the Dead game with you. I've I've dabbled, um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of any light gun game. Uh, I love arcadey shooting things. Um, I I know they just put out a House of the Dead remake of the original. I think it's on Switch. I think it was pretty well received. Um, but yeah, I I unfortunately don't know which specific one, but. Uh, I have a hunch they're probably all of relatively similar quality. Um, for my first one, I've got Resident Evil 4, which probably no real need to talk about it. It's, I think, still maybe the most satisfying shooting mechanics in any game ever. Um, amazing atmosphere. Uh, they're remaking it. I think that's scheduled for next year. I'm not too excited about it. I need to see more. Um what I like about this game, and I guess this is a running theme with a lot of games on my list, I, it's such a goofy atmosphere, but also very tense and anxiety-inducing. Um, I worry with a remake that they're going to make it way too serious. Um, I like the original as like an action-horror hybrid thing, but um, Resident Evil 4 is available on like everything. Play it on your Switch. It's fantastic. I don't really need to say anything else about it. Yeah, I remember you had me play a little bit of that, and I could barely get past the first minutes <laughs> because I was just utterly terrified. <laughs> so, so to prove, I'm I'm not trying to rush through so, these games. It's just you know, there's some games that are just so ubiquitous. I assume people know Resident Evil Four, but I will say, like maybe the best opening section of a game ever, where you have to survive in that village. Uh, well, there's like just endless villagers are coming out of the woodwork to like throw axes at you or whatever. You can blockade doors. There's a dude with a chainsaw coming after you. Oh, I kind of want to play this game right now. I know I've already said that probably three times. I legitimately might have to go re-download Resident Evil 4 once we're done recording. Yeah, the the chainsaw dude is, lives in my nightmares. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um. The next game I have on my list, and this was the this was one that I feel maybe is a slight uh, stretch for a shooter, but I've got the game Fury. Okay. Um, now this was a uh, this was actually I don't know how many years ago this was at this point, probably at least five or so, but uh, it was actually one of the PlayStation Plus free games, and it's probably the one I remember most being like, oh, I got this for free, and yet like I ended up beating the entire game and really loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a combination of like a shmup and also sort of like close up combat, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the shmup element is what I'm using to, uh, to classify this as a, as a shooter. Um, but uh, yeah, just a, just a really fun game, a really challenging game. It's basically nothing but boss fights. And then you have like slow, very uh, um, elaborate, very dramatic music playing as you walk from one boss fight to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, I know I know some people complained about the lengthiness of those walks, but uh, yeah, just a really really fun game. Yeah, uh, I was one of those that complained. I, 
it's not a problem on the initial playthrough. I think they're really moody and cool, like tone setting things. But yeah, in terms of like being able to replay the game, I, it just annoyed me. Um, they might have patched that out by now. I have no idea. I haven't played it since, yeah, since we got it on PlayStation Plus. Um, it's funny until you talked about it, I kind of forgot that there was shooting because in my memory, I just remember mostly the using the katana. But yeah, you're right. It is like half shmup, half. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so yeah, I'd say this counts. And yeah, it's a great game. Uh, and I do want to emphasize, yeah, the soundtrack is fantastic. Um, for my next game, I've got Risk of Rain 2. Uh, this is, uh, it could have been a multiplayer category game. It's another one of my favorite co-op things of all time. Um, it's a sci-fi, you get stranded on an alien planet, you choose what class you want to be, um, and you pick up power-ups along the way, kind of like Hades, it's a roguelike. Um, I don't know, you know, my wife and I have put hundreds of hours into this, all the characters are so much fun to play and so unique, you can, you know, the first class you have is just a basic commando, you just have pistols and a slide or whatever, but you unlock, um like a half-plant, half-robot thing that, like, siphons HP off of enemies. You unlock uh, just, like, a, a big purple beast thing that can poison things. Uh, I think my favorite was maybe Loader, which is, like, uh, it's it's this lady and like with these giant robot arms, and you can just, like, fling yourself across the entire map. Um, it's just, it. I don't want to say it's mindless fun, because... Uh, it can get very intense, but it's mindless in the same way that something like Hades is, where you can like really get lost in it and just like zone out, kind of. Um, and I love the aesthetic; it's very like flat coloring. The soundtrack is incredible. Um, just a really great game. One of my favorite co-op things of all time, and yeah, it's 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 fantastic. So the, the next one I have on my list, again, this is more a series as opposed to an individual title, even though, like, yeah, I, I think the um, – I haven't played the most recent uh, of this series, and the series I'm referencing is Doom. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, I did play the uh, initial sort of reboot, what, in, like, 2019 or something around there? I think that was 2016. Not to make you feel old, but that oh, was wow. 2016. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I did play a decent chunk of that, but then, like, honestly, I, I still remember me and my brother. This was probably the first shooter that I ever played, but me and my mm -hmm. brother sort of taking turns playing it on the PC um, and just, like, absolutely loving it. So, yeah, Doom is is one of the few uh, first-person shooters that I I honestly really, really enjoy. Yeah, Doom 2016, uh, there were two games that I just... I really wanted them to be in my shooter category, and it was Doom 2016 and Titanfall 2. Uh, I just couldn't fit. There's too many good games. But, yeah, Doom 2016 is, oof, what a rush. Um, I think it kind of falls flat a little bit, like, in the in the last, like, I don't know, fourth of the game. But, I don't know, that, that game is, like, 15 hours of just incredible gameplay. It feels so good. Um I didn't like Doom Eternal as much. I still need to go back and give it another shot. It was just too, I don't know, fast-paced for me. And that's saying a lot, because Doom 2016 is already pretty fast-paced. Um, 
I just really like the simplicity of 2016 compared to Eternal, but I'm sure Eternal is still good. I don't, don't, don't at me. It's fine. Um, for my next game, I have Kid Icarus Uprising, which is a Nintendo 3DS game, um, made by Masahiro Sakurai, the creator of Super Smash Bros. and Kirby. So, again, continuing the, the theme of kind of getting a Kirby thing on here every time. Um, it's half an on-rails shooter, kind of like, I'm trying to think of something you might know, but like Star Fox 64, or even like Res Infinite earlier, where like, you move around the screen and, and are shooting things, but you're, you're kind of locked on that plane. And then the other half of the game is like a full-on 3D movement shooter. Um, what really separates it is uh, the writing and the story. It's super goofy anime writing, but like done really well. Uh, Masahiro Sakurai, apparently not the localized version, obviously, but the original Japanese text, he wrote all of it which is insane because there's, like, multiple, like, movie scripts worth of dialogue in this game. Um, it's just a blast. It's one of my favorite games ever made. The rumor is it's getting remastered on Switch. I will lose my mind. Uh, not only does it have one of the best single-player campaigns ever, the story twists and turns like you never see them coming. Even I, as, like, the biggest video game nerd, especially Nintendo nerd there is, I genuinely thought the game was over at one point and I wasn't even a fourth of the way through. And I would have been happy with the experience if, if it had ended there. Um, but yeah, not only is the single player amazing, it has multiplayer. And the multiplayer kind of plays like, what if Smash Bros. was a third-person shooting game? And it's fantastic. Um, Fascinating, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you would like it. I think even just for, as a single-player game, I think you'd like it. The music is out of this world good. There's, like, there, there's like new age jazz. There, there's just anything you can think of is in this game. Um, I cannot recommend this game enough, and it really sucks that it's stuck on the 3DS. Hopefully that Switch rumor is true. Um, if it is, please, God, all of you, play Kid Icarus Uprising. Yeah, um... Speaking of uh, Nintendo games, the, my last one on my list is a uh, Nintendo shooter, and that is Splatoon. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Splatoon originally came out on the on the Wii U, which uh, I had at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. And it's a shooter right up my alley, Matt, because my favorite weapon to use was like the um, essentially the paint roller where you didn't even mm-hmm. have to shoot at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but like also the, the fun element that it, like the objective of the game, even though you can shoot and kill the opponent, um, like the objective isn't about like getting as many kills as possible, which I've never been that into. Um, the objective being that you're trying to cover the most territory with your own colored paint. Mm-hmm. Um, like just that sort of uh, change to the the typical shooting genre made me very excited to give it a try. And then you combine that with some platforming elements where um, you're going between, um, you know, walking, but then you can also in your own paint, you can swim through it like a squid and you go faster in your own paint and slower in the opposition's paint. Just a, a really creative, cool idea executed really well. And, 
Um, I didn't end up playing Splatoon 2 at all because I didn't have the Switch when that came out, but uh, really looking forward to Splatoon 3. Yeah, that's in like a month, some change. Uh, yeah, I we are super excited for that. Um, yeah, I won't go too much into Splatoon. Uh, I will say I got frustrated with the multiplayer component of the game in a way I usually don't. I don't know what it is, but that like when I get splatted or killed in Splatoon, like my blood boils in a way that like it doesn't in any other game, and I have no idea why. I I, I genuinely don't know why. I'm not like a rageful gamer. Um, I'm I'm usually pretty calm. I don't know what it is about Splatoon. Uh, that said, Splatoon 2 introduced a uh, players, like a co-op mode where it's four players versus like bosses kind of called Salmon Run. Uh, my wife and I still, five years on, we still regularly fire up Salmon Run. It's so much fun. Uh, we've seen a little bit of it in Splatoon 3. They're adding cool new stuff. Um, very, very stoked for that. Um, my last game in the shooter category is Super Hot. Um, have, have you heard of this, Boobs? I don't think so, no. So, you know, at, at the top, I think it was at the top of the episode, you had said something about, like, you're expecting to get a couple games from my list that you would like to check out. If you've never played Super Hot, this would be, like, my number one game on my list that for you Boogs to play. Um, I would... How do I describe this? Hotline Miami is is a good starting point, but instead of like the super garish aesthetic, it's very clean. Uh, it's also a 3D first person game, but it's not like a shooter. Um, it's more like Hotline Miami. It's kind of more like a puzzle game, but with like a skill element, kind of. Um, the main gimmick—I don't want to say gimmick—main hook with it is that. Time moves slow as you're moving. So, like, you want to be constantly moving and constantly in motion and constantly doing things so, like, you have less of a chance of dying. Because I, I think it is one-hit deaths for you, the player, just like Hotline Miami. Um, it has such a cool vibe to it. I think it's just one of the neatest games I've ever played. And I don't, I don't know, like, people don't talk about it much anymore, but it's... When it came out, I was losing my mind. It also has, like, this kind of... The story is like you're in this VR game, kind of. But it also has elements kind of like Hypnospace Outlaw, where you're on a computer operating system and, like, doing stuff there in between levels sometimes. Um, yeah, I guess I would say Hotline Miami uh, by way of The Matrix and Doom is how I would describe it. Yeah, that sounds really neat. I've, uh, I just wrote that down. And, and also to, to all the listeners, I guess we should probably just mention this too, that, uh, don't worry about like having to jot all of these down yourself. We'll probably like when, when, uh, when I tweet the, uh, this episode out, I'll also mention the games that we, that we brought up here. Um, but, uh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really fascinating. So that's it for shooters. The next category we have is arcade. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where, you know, I, I brought up uh, earlier that uh, I had a Tetris game on my list that uh, <laughs> was not in the puzzle category. This is where I put Tetris 99. I figured it was either this or multiplayer, so yeah. Um, 
despite having put in like over 200 hours into Tetris 99, I still have not won. Um, for those, (laughs) for those that are familiar with Tetris 99, it's basically you're playing Tetris against, um, 98 other, other players at the same time. And when you get rid of blocks, like those go on to other players screens. Um, you know, I've finished, I think the best I've finished is third and I've finished like top five and top 10 countless times, but you have never, have never gotten to the mountaintop. So like (laughs) I'm I'm still, uh, if that day ever arrives, I think I'll, I'll probably have to like video call you immediately just and, (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah it's just a really fun game and yeah like as crazy as this is like i hadn't really dived deep into any tetris game prior to tetris 99 so uh given that it was a a free game on uh, on nintendo switch for online members it was uh, something that got me into it and and it it definitely succeeded at that (laughs) yeah i love these like I don't know, like old retro games that are done in Battle Royale style that Nintendo's been putting out. You got Tetris 99, you got Mario 35, Pac-Man. Was it Pac-Man 99? I think it was 99. Um, as much as I love Tetris, I didn't put too much time into Tetris 99. I found it, it was almost like too stressful for me. Um, Whereas, like, I put a lot of time into Pac-Man 99 last year uh, when that came out. I'm not even, like, I've played way more Tetris in my life than Pac-Man. I'm I'm not that good at Pac-Man. At least I don't think I am. I won, like, dozens and dozens of times with Pac-Man 99 last year. It was a blast. So, yeah, if you are on Nintendo Switch Online, yeah, you should check out Tetris and Pac-Man 99. They are fantastic. Um. For my first game, I've got Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania on here. Um, I just love the Monkey Ball games. They are kind of marble platformers. They were originally an arcade game just called Monkey Ball. Um, Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania is a remaster of the first two Super Monkey Ball games that came to GameCube. I don't have a lot to say about it, honestly. Like, I love these games. Super Monkey Ball, some of my all-time favorite games. They have a real, like, early 2000s, like, drum and bass uh, music and aesthetic going on. Everything is very, like, clean and simple. Um, you're literally just, you don't control the monkey. You you control, like, you tilt the stage around, and that is what's moving the monkey ball. Um I just think they, they are perfect, pure video games. Like, they're, they're, if you ask me, like, hey, name, like, what you think is, like, the definitive video game, like, yeah, Tetris would be very up there. I think Super Monkey Ball might be my pick just because of how weird it is on top of the simplicity of the gameplay. Yeah, I, um, I've seen some of your, some of your videos of playing those remastered, uh, remastered versions that came out earlier this year and uh yeah those seem super fun and super uh super difficult as well Mm -hmm. um so the next one i have is um you know brought up that uh, i brought up earlier that fury is kind of like a combination of geometry wars and then close-up combat Uh, i've got a geometry wars game on my on my arcade list and that is geometry wars three dimensions evolved Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've always enjoyed the Geometry Wars series. I've played a couple of them. But, um, 
Specifically, I really love the sort of the pacifism mode where you're not actually shooting. You're basically um, uh, moving around and uh, you've got um, similar enemies chasing you. But then if you um, move through these like uh, red lines, then it creates like almost a bomb effect that destroys some of the ones that are near you. And you just have to basically survive as long as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, part of the reason why, like, Tetris 99 is on my list here and Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions uh, Evolved is because, like, these are, to me, like, a couple of just the perfect games to play. Just, while, like, if I have a podcast I want to listen to and I don't just feel like uh, being someone, like, from the 1920s where they just got their ear close to the, <laughs> the speaker <laughs> listening to a podcast. Like, you can do multiple things. Um, they're, they're literally perfect for that. Yeah, uh, I did play through, I think, all of Geometry Wars 3. I think I got that as a PlayStation Plus game on my on my PS Vita, of all things, years ago. Um, I'll always love uh, Retro Evolved the most, probably, that original Xbox Live Arcade game. Um, just for, again, it's pure gameplay. Like, just, there's only one board. You see everything the game has to offer you within, like, ten minutes, but that's what's so good about it. But... The changes 3 did were really cool. Like, I like the different stages you have and the fact that they're different geometric shapes and that you, like, go around them and stuff is really neat. Um, yeah, Geometry Wars 3 is great. Um, I never got to play 2, though. They should port 2 to something. Um, next game on my list is Downwell, which was, I think, originally a, a, a mo- mobile game for phones. Um, I don't know how to describe this. It's kind of, it's, it's a bit of a roguelike, but not a super like heavy one. Um, I'd almost say it's like a deconstruction of like the shooter genre while also being like a roguelike and a platformer. Like you have to get, as the title suggests, you have to go down a well and get as deep as you can. And you, your character has gun boots. So like, you can basically just jump, move left or right, and shoot your gun boots. Um, your ammo only refills if you jump on an enemy or land, but you want to jump off as many enemies as you can as you go down because that builds your combo up. You get more money to spend in shops afterwards. Um, that's that's literally all there really is to the game. It's very simple. Uh, I think it costs like $3 on Switch or something absurd. It's a, it's fantastic. It's, I don't remember the last time, like, I lost that much time to a, to a, a mobile game. Cause I mostly play this on my phone, like, when I was on breaks at work and stuff. Um, it's just super simple gameplay. Uh, it's neat that it takes advantage of being on the phone if you're playing on the phone, where it is, it's a vertical game as opposed to a horizontal one. Um, I know the Switch version also supports, uh, Tate mode, which is, uh, a vertical mode on your switch. Obviously, unless you own the flip grip peripheral, you can't actually play in handheld mode that way. Uh, but I did own the flip grip and it is a fantastic way to play down well. Yeah, I think I did, uh, I did try this briefly and yeah, it uh, seems like a really interesting game and yet yeah, perfectly suited, uh, for, uh, for the phone and you can still purchase it on the phone, correct? As far as I know. I'm sure. Yeah, it's a it's not that old of a game. I think 2016 or something. It's also worth mentioning, actually, I forgot about this. 
Um, not many people know Netflix is now offering you free games um, through the Netflix app on your phone. Um, and it's actually like really good stuff. So like Into the Breach, which is supposed to be this amazing strategy game, you can get that for free on your phone uh, if you have a Netflix account. Um, but the reason I bring this up, uh, the creator of Downwell actually just put out his new game and it's exclusive to this Netflix distribution called Point B. And it's kind of like it's Downwell, but you're going <laughs> up instead of down. But you're also like a cute dinosaur that's like eating fruit. It's really, really good. Um, I haven't gotten to play it as much as Downwell yet. Um, also just been so inundated with games right now, but yeah, point B is super good and it's free. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good uh, information to know. I was not aware of that. Um, so the, uh, the next one I have, which we, uh, which we discussed extensively on the, uh, the 2020 game of the year pod and that's Streets of Rage 4. Uh huh. That was my next game too. So let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's obviously a uh, really fantastic uh, fantastic beat 'em up, and um, I don't know if at the time the, um, the the DLC had come out when we talked about it, but um, the DLC really uh, made the game even like go up a couple of levels for me too, and that's probably mm-hmm. my favorite way to play the game is just basically that, uh, it's what is it, survival mode, where you just go to randomly generated levels and you continue to get, when you when you beat a level, you get like um, new power-ups and you just go as long as you possibly can. And uh, um, that, uh, again, another game that I that I feel like I can, you know, just play and listen to a podcast or something while I do it as well. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah, um, when this, yeah, when Streets of Rage 4 initially came out in 2020, yeah, like, this was already probably my pick for best beat-em-up of all time, but, yeah, after the DLC, like, this is just one of my favorite games ever made. Like, genuinely, this might be a top 10 video game for me ever. Um, yeah, the new characters they all added in the DLC are fantastic. I'm, I don't know, I, I always like the cool, edgy characters, so I like Shiva the most. Um, yeah, the new survival mode is great. Um, I was never able to enjoy it as a podcast game just because the soundtrack in both the base game and the DLC is so good. I just didn't want (laughs) to overshadow that. Yeah, Um, that's fair. But yeah, I, I, I get it. It's a really cool, like mini roguelike mode that is kind of, it works better than you think it would considering it was just added as like a separate thing a year later. Um, yeah, Streets of Rage 4 is, Amazing. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and do my last one then. Um, this is the one I I said I wouldn't have any games from this year on this list. This is kind of cheating. Um, I got Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. Um, at the time of this recording, it literally just came out in America like a month ago or something. I imported a Japanese copy, I don't know, a few months ago. Um I feel confident in having it on this list this early simply because uh, it's a remake of a Super Nintendo game. Um, that said, it's so good. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like an overhead. It, it's almost like a shmup, but instead of being in like a spaceship or whatever, you're controlling like actual characters and they have different abilities. Um, it has like a feudal Japanese aesthetic, like 
uh, Pocky is like a shrine maiden and Rocky is a Tanuki. Um, there's three other, yeah, three other characters. They all have completely different abilities. Um, I in particular, I forget her name, but she's got like a Naginata that's super fun. Um, I don't know. I, I'd never played a lot of the original. Um, this remake is just, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Some of the best sprite art I've ever seen. Um, and yeah, the gameplay, it, it hits that arcade perfect sweet spot for me where, yeah, you don't have that many, um, verbs available. You basically can just shoot, dodge, and charge up your, uh, attack and charge up a defense thing. But it, it, I don't know, that simplicity really hides so much depth. Um, uh, like my wife and I have put like 10 hours into the co-op of this game, like just trying to beat it without getting a game over and continuing. Uh, truly it might be my favorite shmup ever. Some people don't classify it as a, as a shmup and I get it, but I'm going to classify it as such. And it is the best one of those. Yeah. I, um, I felt uh, bad because, you know, I, I definitely love shmups. It's, one of my favorite genres, but I couldn't really come up with many options of games that, uh, you know, in part because I feel like I played a couple of shmups, um, in like the, in the nineties on the PC and I just can't even remember what they were called now. Sure. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, certainly, um, I'm glad that uh, we're, we've been able to throw in at least a couple that somewhat qualify. (laughs) Um, But yeah, my my last game in the arcade category is uh, the Simpsons beat 'em up game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, part of the reason why I uh, I consider this an arcade game is because uh, in in uh, the town that uh, that I'm still in and that Murray used to live in uh, Finley, we had a place called Godfather's Pizza that had one arcade game, and it was the Simpsons beat 'em up game. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I remember playing it in there quite a bit. That was always, like, fun to say, like, oh, what do you want to do tonight? Well, I want to go eat pizza and play The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, pretty pretty basic game. But, like, you know, you've got Homer with the, uh, what was it, a bat, I believe? I don't remember. I remember, like, Marge has a vacuum. I don't remember what Homer has. Yeah, and then... Um, Lisa has jump a jump rope, and Bart had the skateboard. Maybe Homer was just uh, his hands. Um, Could be. Uh, but but anyway, just a really fun game, and yeah, like uh, one of uh, you know um, another situation where like yeah, leaving the house and, and going to a place and playing it on an actual machine um, is why I have that uh, fond memories of that game. So let's move into the uh, the action-adventure category. We've got just two categories left, action-adventure, and then the final one being wild card. Um, I'm just going to quickly go through three of these, Matt, because okay. <laughs> uh, we've already discussed these three in uh, in previous Game of the Year pods. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first is, uh, is Hades. Okay. And uh, this is probably my favorite game of all time at this point. Uh, I figured, yeah. yeah I, I still see you regularly playing it on my Switch when I check who's online. Yeah, um, I think I've just about hit 400 hours on it. Um, I've also gotten to the point where I am probably about 2,000 gems away from buying literally every item from the contractor. Okay. 
um, which is like a level of completion in games that I've rarely uh, gotten to. Um, but uh, yeah, Hades, uh, absolutely, absolutely a phenomenal game. Love it. Um, another one here I've got is the Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Um, another game, that, another platformer that I that I really loved, and I felt like the sequel um, was better than the first game, and I really enjoyed the first game quite a bit. Um, and then another one that we did from uh, that we mentioned in in the 2021 Game of the Year pod, and that is uh, Death's Door. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll I'll just quickly say Hades is fantastic. I don't hold it as high as a lot of other people do, but uh, that's not to take anything away from it. I just think I've played a lot of video games in my life. Uh, truly, probably the best roguelite. I can't really think of anything that competes if if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. Yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, amazing. Um, Death's Door, yeah, I, I, I was kind of lukewarm on it at times at first, but when I replayed it, doing like a hard mode-ish thing where you only use the umbrella... The combat really felt a lot better to me. Um, yeah, that all all three games pretty damn good. Um, I'll quickly try and go through some of mine, even though these are a lot of my favorites ever. Um, but the podcast has been going on a while, so that's fine. Uh, I've got Bloodborne, which probably my number two favorite game of all time. Um, just amazing. It's Dark Souls, but with a Lovecraftian uh, aesthetic and vibe. Uh, I've never played anything like it. Like I bought my PS4 for this game years ago, and I don't know. It was like I turned a corner in my life, and like I can define my life by pre and post Bloodborne, basically. Um, I've got Mega Man 9 on here because it would be really weird if I didn't have a Mega Man game on this list. And also, Mega Man 9 is hands down the best. There are going to be people that argue with me. I don't know if any of them listen to this podcast. Honestly, I hope they do, because I welcome the challenge. Mega Man 9 is the best Mega Man game. There is no question. Uh, it's also, like, the best action um, platformer ever to me. Uh, just so good. The soundtrack's amazing. Anyone that has never played a Mega Man game, that's what I would recommend. It's truly fantastic. Um I've got Castlevania Rondo of Blood, much like Mega Man. It would be real weird if I didn't have Castlevania somewhere on this list. Um, Castlevania is kind of divided up into the classic Vania styles and the Metroidvania styles. Uh, Rondo of Blood to me is the, the top of the, the classic Vania style. So unlike something like Metroid or, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, like it's, it's linear as opposed to the exploratory games that would come later. Um, Rondo of Blood, it has like alternate paths, alternate levels, some real cool boss fights, amazing soundtrack. And this game came out like 1990 or something. It's absurd how like far ahead of time, far, how far ahead of its time this game was. Um, it's deathly hard, so I can't quite recommend it as like a beginner Castlevania, but if you really want to see the best the series has to offer, I think it's Rondo of Blood. Uh, my last game in this category, real quick, is Cuphead. Um, I don't have much to say about it. It's just an amazing, like, shooting platformer. Um, I'm looking at a picture my wife illustrated for me of Cuphead right now. Um, I infamously listed this as my Game of the Year 2017 over both Nier Automata, 
and Breath of the Wild. I don't regret it. It's fantastic. I just love the aesthetic. I love the 1920s Fleischer style. Um, Mugman is superior to Cuphead. That's all I've got to say. Oh, and I have not yet played the DLC for it. It just came out recently. I'm going to get to it, I promise. Well, yeah, and uh, you uh, just brought up my final game on my list, <laughs> Near Automata. I was wondering where it was going to show up. I actually got kind of worried that it wasn't going to show up, considering how far into this we are. I mean, it's probably in my top five games of all time, so it, it definitely had to make the list. I was going to make it work. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, just a, just an amazing game, and I know you you love it too and can probably go into better detail about what makes it so special. But, um, you know, it was kind of the first game that really got me into sort of third-person action games, and I think partially it's like the the fact that there is kind of a shmup element to it i think that got me into it because i was uh-huh. never into the sort of the uh, the close combat stuff that much but um having the gun or whatever um as a as an option to fight enemies as opposed to just constantly having to um use a sword or whatever or a katana or <laughs> whatnot um was it was a nice uh, sort of way to mix up the gameplay they also mix up the gameplay by not only having moments where you're um, you know, doing uh, third third person shooting and fighting, but then you also have shmup moments. Like the the intro of the game really hooked me because it's this like very dramatic, very intense music, um, very, uh, like just shmup situation where you are with a bunch of other fighter pilots and you're trying to make it to an area, and all of your other uh, your your co pilots are are shot down. Um, and you finally make it, and then the the game just like expands from there. And there's such a vast world to explore, um, such a great story. Uh, it's it's just a brilliant game. Yeah, like you know, I'm not often super big into stories for games. I know I brought up a couple games with, that I think have good stories in this list, but like oftentimes I just feel like stories feel kind of like a joke in most games, which is fine. That's not necessarily a problem, but yeah, Neo Automata is something else. Um, just one of the most beautifully told stories I've ever experienced in any medium. Uh, just so existentially sad and just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope Yoko Taro is all right. He, he seems like the creator. He seems like he's got some things he's got to work through. I hope he's doing well right now. Cause that game is so sad. Um, even just like getting the real ending of the game. Like this game is infamous for having like 26 different endings. It's not really true. There's really only like you can end the game at a bunch of different points, but they're not like real actual story endings. Um, but finishing, I think it was the E route, uh, and, and seeing like all five of the main chapters done was so satisfying. Uh, the game, even at the very last possible second, still continues to pull, um, surprises on the player, uh, with, with like meta narrative surprises. I really can't emphasize enough that this game is like, I don't know, it, it it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, you should play this game if you value, like, I don't know, any kind of, like, intelligence being on display in a video game. It's 
the the gameplay mechanics are secondary, and that's me saying that. Like, I, I'm I'm all about clicky action stuff. Like, I don't care. I want to hear what happens to these characters. I want to see everything be all right. And spoilers, nothing is all right in this game. <laughs> yeah, and like the again, there is like a when you like even just like going back and playing a little bit of it uh, I did recently just to have a little refresher like you immediately feel like oh yeah I'm back in this world this universe this feeling um it's very just that that feeling is just very present from the get go mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, very unique in that sense but uh, yeah did you have anything else in this category nope i yeah cuphead was my last one Okay, so we are to the final category, and again, this is wild card, so this can kind of be honorable mentions and or uh, stuff that we didn't really feel like uh, fit into any of the other categories. So I'll just mention the first one that we can get through quickly because we've talked about it before. Um, again, like platforming is my is my favorite uh, favorite genre, so I have I have a few platformers in this because I needed to do more than four. Um, the first one being Glyph, and this was one we, uh, you know, a marble game essentially that we uh, we talked about in the in the 2021 Game of the Year pod. Yep, Glyph is fantastic. Um, I, it, you know, I have Monkey Ball on this list and not Glyph, but Monkey Ball is an arcade game, whereas Glyph is not. Glyph is way more of a straight up platformer adventure game. Like, gun to my head, I would probably pick Glyph as the better game over Monkey Ball. And that's saying a lot, especially coming from me. Um, For my first game, I've got the final appearance of Kirby on this podcast, I promise. Uh, Kirby (laughs) Canvas Curse for the Nintendo DS. Um, It's kind of a platformer, but in this one, Kirby gets cursed by a witch into the shape of a ball. And I guess that's for Kirby, he's already a ball with legs, so I guess that she just took his legs away. Um, but instead of directly controlling Kirby, you have to draw paths to roll him down. It still retains all the Kirby gameplay elements you've come to expect, like getting different powers that change how you can interact with the world and stuff. Um, this game's just great. It was the first, like, must-have Nintendo DS game. Um, I think people looking back on the DS, even people that aren't that into Kirby games in general, this is still the game like people talk about with the DS or at least one of them. And yeah, it's still worth playing to this day. You can play it on the Wii U. I believe it's on the Wii U virtual console. Uh, however, that's going to be shut down in like a month. So if you want to play it cheaply, you better get in on it now, I guess. So yeah, you, you initially joked about uh, having a different Kirby game and you could theoretically put a different Kirby game in every category. How many did, did you jot down? How many Kirby games you actually were able to fit in here? No, I'm, I would guess at least three, but yeah, I could have. If, if I had wanted to make this more of a bid, I could have done it. But <laughs> I, I tried to actually keep it in spirit with having the best games possible, unfortunately. Yeah. Still, three, three of 14 categories, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so uh, the next one I have is, uh, is uh, this will be the last like straight-up platformer. Um, and we, we brought it up slightly earlier when I was talking about Fusion Frenzy, uh, but that's Runner 2. I know you mentioned mm-hmm. that you weren't able to get Runner 2 on your list. Well, I, I got it for us, so uh, that's why it's, <laughs> nice, uh, it's nice that we have the two of us and we can get over 100 games on here and uh, kind of get some stuff that, uh, like, you got Hotline Miami for me. I'm glad you were able to get that on here, and so I got Runner 2 for you. 
But uh, yeah, just a just a brilliant platformer again. Yeah, just the constant side scrolling from left to right, uh, avoiding uh, objects and um, the way it um, builds as you go, and you've got like the different, uh, um, you know, the ducking, the the sliding, the uh, the jumping, like, and then you know it, it adds on top of that as well as as you progress. It's just a really fun game and. Again, like with platformers, it's all about like the satisfaction, right, of pulling these maneuvers off. And there's not too many more satisfying than, than Runner 2 where, um, you know, you do five or six, like six actions in a matter of eight to ten seconds and you nail it. And it's like, yes, that felt so great. Right. And much like Rez, like your successful actions also like – it adds on layers to the to the music that's happening too, and because that's such yes. an important part of the game uh, is the soundtrack. Um, yeah, Runner Two holds a very special place in my heart. Um, it was the first Wii U game that I just fell in love with. Meverse, um, which was a feature of the Wii U, uh, which was like Nintendo's like social media, like it was it was a social network only on the Wii U. Um, the Meverse is important to me for a variety of reasons. Number one, I met my wife there. Should probably mention that off the bat. But uh, Runner Two was the first time I understood the potential of Meverse, where I would take a screenshot of my high score on a stage and post it in the Runner Two community and and be like, "Hey, someone try and beat my score." Um, I actually have a friend. He's still on my Switch friend list that we met through the Runner 2 uh, Meverse community doing high score challenges. Uh, yeah, Runner 2 is amazing. Um, I really was disappointed with Runner 3. It had an even better soundtrack, and I liked the graphics of it, but there was just something off about it, a lot of weird camera sweeping that interfered with the gameplay. Um, still worth playing, but if you're going to play one, Runner 2 would be my choice. Um, for my next game, I've got Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. This would probably be the hardest thing to explain in the world. However, uh, I did a podcast with uh, $2 Hero, Seth, um, where we talked for like an hour just about this game. So if you want to hear more about it, it would be Keep Nintendo Weird. I assume it's labeled as the Rocket Slime episode. Um it's a Dragon Quest spinoff where you play as a slime who just he's just a little blue teardrop dude. Um, it's half like overhead Zelda light adventure game and half like <laughs> high charge like tank battles where you shoot anything you can out of cannons at another tank. Um, it's super good. It's hands down my favorite DS game. No one ever talks about it. It was very niche. Um, I think it's really expensive to find a copy nowadays. If you can do it, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, and that's something beyond just like listing the uh, the games that we're mentioning here. We can even um, might as well just link some of these other podcasts, not only our game of the year ones we've done, but yeah, some of the ones uh, that you've made appearances on and have talked about some of these games. We can we can add those on to the to the Twitter thread or whatever as well. Um, but yeah, the uh, the next one I have up on my list is a game I believe I talked about a little bit in the uh, in the honorable mention section of the 2021 Game of the Year podcast, even though it's not a technically a 2021 game, and that's Outer Wilds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just a uh, and and this also kind of fits into the wild card category because I have a hard time like fully pointing down or yeah like pinning down what sort of category what genre this is even um, mm-hmm. but it is like a you know a, a space expedition type of thing there's a time loop mechanic um, you're uh, some fictional uh, basically species, and there's an ancient race that had once colonized the system that did a bunch of space exploring, and you're trying to figure out what they learned and what they did. And um, so there's an element of, like, discovery, not only of, like, just trying or just going there and and seeing these planets that are are in this universe, but then also figuring out uh, what previous uh, explorers had, uh, had found so it's 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 a wonderful game, and even the like the space flight itself is a pretty satisfying thing. Even though it's it's kind of difficult initially, but once you once you figure it out, that's also um, pleasurable in its own respect. Yeah, I still need to play this. Uh, I actually just got it for free with we upgraded our PlayStation Plus account. Um, I it was one of the first games I downloaded from this free list of games. So I will hopefully get to it soon. But it sounds amazing. Um, my next game is Yakuza Zero. Um, I'm not going to dwell too long on this, but imagine like a J drama or a Japanese soap opera starring nothing but handsome members of the Yakuza, but everything is goofy. And that's Yakuza Zero. That's kind of Yakuza as a series entirely. They're, I don't want to call them open world games. Uh, when I was younger, these were described as like, Japanese Grand Theft Autos, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the Yakuza games are so sincere. The characters are so lovely. It's The stories are all to varying degrees about, like, community and, like, helping people and all this stuff. And I know that sounds insane for a game titled Yakuza, but they really are special games. They mean a lot to me, especially Yakuza 0 and Yakuza Like a Dragon. Um... It took me a long time to get into them, but now that I have, I've played all of them, um, like it's like top three of my favorite series now. They are just so good. I will never get tired of just hanging out with these handsome crime men. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, we're down to my last one and, uh, uh, Save save the best for last. Not not my favorite game of all time, but this is uh, this is one that I don't I don't think a lot of people have played this game, um, and uh, I, I'm I'm not sure if you expected this or not. So, but okay. I'll, I'll just say, it. Scram Kitty and his buddy on rails. <laughs> uh, I I I should have seen this coming, but no, I I did not. <laughs> so. Um, Basically, you, uh, it's, it's kind of, a, again, it's, uh, a, again, going back to the, uh, I enjoy the shmup genre. This is like a combination of shmup and platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're essentially a person, you're, um, you're in like a ball that has like a couple of guns in the front and you are always like magnetically connected to rails. So you're always like, you can move side to side, you can jump off of the rail, but you're always magnetically drawn back to the rail. Um, so, uh, that, that is like a sort of a unique thing in itself in terms of platformers. But then, um, beyond that, like beyond just 
um, there's there's the platformer element of you're trying to get from point A to point B, but then the game also has all of these different little mini games in there. Uh, you, you're collecting coins, and if you collect a hundred coins in the level, you get you collect one of the kitties, um, and uh, they're constantly like meowing as well, like when you get close to them. Um, and there's there's also like um, cat chasing sequences. So there are certain ones. There's one in each level where if you hit the cat, then it bounces to a different part of the level, and you have to get to that area in a certain amount of time, or else it starts back from the beginning. Um, but this is a really, really fun, satisfying game. I really enjoy uh, the, the soundtrack of this game as well. And um, it's also one of the, the, the better uh, memories I have of us sort of like passing the controller back and forth at one point and playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, what probably one of my top five games that I played on the Wii U, and I don't think anyone talks about it. Yeah, and I, I don't think this ever got ported anywhere else i think it might still be stuck on the wii u so again if you want to play it you better get on it because the eShop's closing in like a month um for my last game i've got anodyne 2 uh this is a really special game again i don't want to take up too much time trying to describe it it is half like overhead 2d zelda puzzle solving and then half like playstation 1 era like polygonal exploration so like it looks like a low-poly PlayStation 1 game. Um, It was made largely by two people, um, including the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is out-of-this-world good. Um, The story is just, it's amazing. Like, the closest thing I can think to compare it to is Steven Universe, which less in terms of, like, what's actually happening in the plot, but more so the tone and the, the kind of, like, existential sadness going on and not knowing your place in the world. Um... I can really sum it up best with a line from Anodyne 2, which is the intro, and it says, Anodyne 2 is a game about life. Um, And that rings true in multiple ways as you delve into, you literally dive into people's like subconsciousness and see their fears and their worries and their thoughts, um, including your own at one point. Uh, It's, it's a remarkable game. I, this is a game I never see anyone talk about. It's a damn shame because I think it's one of the coolest games I've ever played. Um, one of the best narrative experiences ever. It's remarkable and everyone should play Anodyne 2. I know I've said that about a lot of games on this list. This might be my number one. Like everyone should play this game. Yeah, I've bought it and I've, I've, uh, I've kind of gotten through the intro stage. I gotta go back and play some more. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. And yeah, you selling it also, uh, in, um, to having like a similar sort of, uh, vibe to Steven Universe definitely sells me as well. I actually just started a rewatch of that show. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that, um, That'll do it. I know you got to get going here, Matt. Um, but uh, we we were able to probably talk about uh, over a hundred games and uh, got through a lot of the, some of the stuff over the course of uh, what us playing video games for <laughs> upwards of twenty five to thirty years at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This was an absolute blast. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. No problem. And hey, I'm already making notes for game of the year. Yeah, and uh, for for those listening, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have that out. Uh, you know, uh, not going to specify a time, but 
presumably in the in the January um, early February time period. That's typically when we like to do it, but uh, we're planning that again. And uh, um, it's been a pretty good year of games so far. So excited to do that. But uh, yeah, Matt, thanks thanks so much again. Yeah, no problem, my dude.